We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Shock the system. Walking arenas, I'm shutting it down and I'm raising the bar. Y'all look like the kind to get lost in the shovel, just playing the part. I belong in the light. Y'all can just stay in the dark. Funny how every time they know who we are, but we say who we are. I'ma take care of the light work and I'ma make them fans go love go. Black and yellow in a logo. I got the game in a chokehold. Music drops, everybody puts their hands up like their nay nay. Y'all know just what they say. Adam Cole, baby. They will not leave any doubt in your mind. This is the moment that they waited to have. So knock you out with a punch of a kick of a little bit of both combo with a dab. Uh, I am Roddy with the flow. Yeah. I am Bobby when I'm bold. Yeah. I'm a Roddy with the gold. Yeah. Every title I'm a hold. Yeah. I era this hard time, you better recognize. recognize. My lyrics bring a house down where the record lies. Yeah. I keep moving, I can prove it. Let me show you how I do this. Can't refute it, I ain't losing. This flow is undisputed. Boom. <laughs> Before you guys listen to another episode of the Corner Podcast, make sure you guys show your support for the show by clicking on patreon.com slash the corner podcast and showing support for both Andreas and myself. We're trying to bring you guys exclusive content for the new year. That means exclusive shows, guest interviews, fan appreciation episodes, a little bit of everything on a weekly basis. And the way you get that is by signing up on patreon.com slash the corner podcast. There's different tiers, whether you guys want to donate $5, $10, or $15 a month, you guys get exclusive content and access to us, yes, both Andres and I, every single week. And this way we can bring you guys the stuff that you want, such as merch, live shows, and even bigger episodes of the Corner Podcast in 2019. Thank you guys for your support. Now let's get into this week's show. We're here. 
everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale. Recording on a Friday because we had to wait an extra day because AEW was in town in Vegas with some huge announcements. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, we have a ton of boxing, UFC to catch up on. I feel like last week we were kind of like less than uh, full with the boxing and the MMA. And it was just like, okay, this is the time where it ramps up. So we'll have a lot of that to talk about today as well. And of course, it's Valentine's Day. Uh, we won't have another show before Valentine's Day hits next week. So we're going to talk about it right now. Dre, do you feel the love in the air? No. It's, no. Man. <laughs> you don't do commercialism, do you? I do. I, like, I indulge heavily on Christmas, but I think I mentioned this before. Like, Valentine's Day is the day after my birthday. So it's like, all right, well, you know, my wife is trying to figure out what to do for my birthday. I try to figure out what to do for Valentine's Day. And then our anniversary is on the 19th. So it's like, it's just too much shit. So at a certain point, we're just like, fuck it. And we just put it all in one and it's it's whatever. I'm going out of town, going to Sonoma Wine Country next weekend. And uh, that's it. That's that's where my love will be, at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> I feel like you do this all the time. You're always in wine country, at least twice a year. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I haven't been to Sonoma yet. I went to Napa for Father's Day. So Sonoma's, uh, it's like 10 miles away from Napa. So I'm going to indulge in some libations there, which the interesting thing is, you know, because I have my daughter, I just take her. And at first I thought it was weird until I saw like other people with their their kids at wine, wine tastings. So I'm like, all right, cool. The only thing, the only issue is you can't indulge too much because you still got a two-year-old to take care of. So yeah. that becomes a little uh, touch and go. And because my daughter doesn't give a shit about who's <laughs> drunk, who's tired. Like she could care less. As long as she has an iPad, she should be good. But we'll see. But Valentine's Day, it's just, yeah, man, I've been with my wife for a long time. It's, it's still, it's a holiday, but the way it's crammed into our lives, it's like, all right, well. We'll figure it out. What about you? What, what do you do for Valentine's Day? Your, your relationship's still relatively fresh. Yes, I try to be Roddy Romance every year for Valentine's Day, and I always fail. Every year. Um, there's always something around the time of Valentine's Day that I have to pay. So two years ago is when I got locked up for a quick second. And I was in jail, and I had to pay my fees so that all that stuff was clear. So it took all my money. And then last year, um, it was both of my kids' birthdays. One falls January 31st. The other one falls March 9th. So they wanted elaborate things like iPhones. Uh, my son wanted a laptop with the GoPro so he can you know, start his YouTube channel, blah, blah, blah. So I was so concentrating on that. And then I was, we moved to this new spot that we're in now. So all that happened... On Valentine's Day week, pretty much. So it's like, oh, damn. All right. No Valentine's Day this year because we had to put the deposit down on a crib. Now this year, coming up, and I'm like, cool, next week's Valentine's Day. I'm ready for it. And then I just came from the bank. I had to open up the separate account for the wedding. So I was like, mm -hmm. well, there goes this year's Valentine's Day money. So I don't know. I'll do what I do every year. I, I write a poem. Because shit, we're writers. I might as well write. Write a poem. Elena almost cries. She loves it. And then I cook. And then that's that's pretty much the essence of Valentine's Day. And I learned that from when I was broke. When you're broke, that's what you do. Anything that doesn't take a lot of money but still invokes emotion, 
that is what I that is what I do best. That's what I I maintain from my broke years, straight. So I'm I'm great at making something out of nothing. As a journalist, I was broke for a hot second. So that's that's nice. So that's that's the plan now. And it, it's crazy because I just literally right before we did this show, I came from the bank, and it's amazing how people treat you differently when you got money in your account. Yeah, of course. It's you know people want to you know share share with you. Uh, they want to talk to you. They want to know what you're doing. They want to yeah, know a lot was, of things. She was so nice to me at the bank, Mister Dansby. Do you need anything else? Oh, well, Miss Long be coming by today. I can see you guys have a joint account. Do we need to set this up for her as well? And all like they were just so cordial, just quick. She was like, I was like, oh, sorry, I'm you know I'm running out of work. I got this other thing to do for work too. And then she's like, don't worry, we'll get you in and out really quick. And both of them behind the counter, both working on different stuff for the account, moving money from here to there. And she was like, oh, well, if you just tell your vendors, here goes a slip to give your vendors and they can, you know, they get the money right away. And all this. I was like, oh, it's like, thank you, guys, because I don't do checks. I'm not old enough to understand how checks and checkbooks work. But I still I don't like I've never managed a checkbook. I'm scared. I'm intimidated by checks. So. I had to get these other, and she was like, no, you can use these slips, you don't have to order checks and all this stuff. They were very nice to me. And I was like, you know what, because I got money in my account. When I was dead broke, and I had like $13, and I just got paid, and they can see it, like, yo, your direct deposit hit today. You telling me you're leaving $13 left in your account? Like, don't judge me. Yes. And they get me in and out quick. And they raise their hand. Next? Barely bad not. Now I feel good. I know how Lawrence felt and insecure. When he finally got, <laughs> when he finally came up in the world, and he left Best Buy, and he got a real job. Yeah, everybody treats you different. That's just the way it goes. And they got something to sell you. Like they can, you might be able to get a home mortgage. You might be able to get something else. But you know, when you broke, you really they really don't want to sell you shit. Yeah, that's they want to get true. you out of there. She gave me a card. Like next time, you know, oh, do you know that you qualify for these credit cards with us? Do you have credit cards outside of us? I was like, not many. I was like, I have one. And then she was like, oh, well, if you're looking for another one, we can take that and you can we can pay it through this credit card and you can have this limit with us. And I was like, all right, man. I was like, I'll come back. So, yeah. They, no, you won't. No, I mean, you're not the- I'm actively looking to get a credit card because I noticed one Wait, thing. Wait, you don't have a credit card? I have one, but it's like a stupid credit card. Like, I've had it forever. My limit's like $300 on this credit card. And I just pay like a little bit every month just to kind of keep my credit going, like a line of credit open that shows that I pay. Um, But no, like I don't use it like an adult. Like I I haven't had a credit card, like an adult ass credit card where I just go somewhere and be like, okay, cool. Let me, I'll pay this next one. No, I don't. I've never had that. So I was intrigued. She is actually selling me on this. So yeah, no, I don't have like a real deal ass credit card. But I noticed like when we go out of town or... Like, if I'm around, like, I mean, but just grown-ass people, like, Rob, you, all this stuff. People use credit cards. Yes. And it's a, I was around my pops. He, you know, he putting this on a credit card then. And I'm like, yo, so you just pay for this later. Like, that shit's incredible. And it makes stuff so much easier. I was trying to pay my rent today, and they charge $50 if I use my debit card. They charge $1.50 if you use a credit card. Yeah. I, I was but- like, what? That's... It's crazy. I just, yeah. So I'm trying to grow up, man. I'm trying to get get my adult on at 30 years old. Jesus Christ! I just didn't know you didn't have a credit card. I've had credit cards my whole life. Really? I mean, they're no, good no. and bad. I mean, I've had credit cards before. Trust. 
when I was in college and married with children, I, I did not use them correctly. I can imagine. That's why they give them to you when you're that young. Yeah. So, no, no. I mean, and, you know, when you do it that young and it goes left, and then, like, in the divorce, then I had to split credit and take her credit and her stupid credit cards and do all It soured me on the notion. But I think I'm ready again. Well, yeah, that makes sense. All right, finances with Kel Dansby. That was fun. Listen, that's, that's my day. So, my Valentine's Day is not romance, it's finance. And that's how it works for the past couple of years. And Elena doesn't really trip off of it. Like, she's cool. She's not overly into the lovey-dovey holidays. We go out on date nights all the time. I buy her shoes still all the time. So she doesn't need a holiday to, like, get anything. True. I think she asked me for one thing. She wants her, her nails done and her hair done. It could be worse. Oh, yeah. I see people that have it worse. I've had it worse before in life. Dre, I was the guy, one, when I was 16, I first met, met my ex-wife. I was buying baby fat and, like, teddy bears and stupid shit because we were 16. And then as we got older, I had to buy, like, coach purses and do, like, those little things, like, jackets and all this stuff. Like, stuff I didn't care about, material items that, I swear to God, the next year she didn't have anyway. So, yeah, it was, it was just dumb. So I've been there. I've been that guy. I'm never you know, that guy I, again. I'm really intrigued by how much money you spend in relationships. What do you you are that guy. You were that guy. Yeah, well, I'm very low maintenance myself as a person. So when I'm not in a relationship, I live... Well, when I'm not in a relationship in my life so far, I've been very broke. So I didn't have the money to spend anyway. But when I do, in relationships, I seem to get more money and I do better. You know, it's a two-income household, all this shit. So it... it makes it so I have more money I can spend. But even then, I don't spend it all myself. Like, I'm not a sneakerhead. I don't have a sneaker collection. I buy one pair of sneakers every two years and, and rock those till the wheels fall off. Jesus Christ. I think I bought two pairs of sneakers this week. Yeah, nah, like, these same kicks, I bought uh, Bounces or whatever, the Ultra Boosts, and they're mad comfortable. I'll rock these for three years. They'll turn 18 different colors. I don't care. Like, I, I am a skater-type kid at heart. I just never learned how to skate. Like, I could rock the same pair of kicks, like, beating up. Like, I, it never concerned me. I wear free shirts or wrestling T-shirts. That's it. So my most expensive shirt is $25. I just get a lot of them. I wear basketball shorts that I got from coaching to this day. Like, I got shorts I got from coaching in 2009. If I got, I got three pair of jeans that I barely wear... I got like a pair of work jeans that I need to have, and that's it. I don't. I'm not high maintenance at all. I don't go and get my beard professionally shaved. Yeah, like me. Yeah, like I, I don't do it. My barber moved to Dallas, and ever since then, I didn't even get a new barber. I just do my own hair and be like, yo, whatever. It looks how it looks, and wow. I've gotten decent enough at it. So I, I, I take no money. I don't eat while I'm at work, so I'm not trying to eat out. Like I'll. I'll Come here, I can cook for myself, so a little bit of groceries here and there. I, I spend nothing. So when I do want to spend money, it's all my kids and buying them ridiculous stuff that they don't need. Like, I think I said on a podcast, my daughter Madison, her birthday was on the 31st. She got an Apple Watch. Like, I don't got an Apple Watch. You got an Apple Watch. I don't got an Apple Watch. She's 11. She turned 11. She got an Apple Watch. This, yeah, this, I'm, I'm very intrigued <laughs> with your life. And Elena gets anything she wants. But that makes me happy. 
She doesn't even ask for it. We'll go shopping in the mall and she'll beg me or she'll like try to ditch me so she can go and buy me something. And I'll catch her in the store and be like, nah, yo, put that back. I don't need that. And then hmm. I'll go buy her something and just drop mad money. She hates it. It's like the bane of her existence. She tries everything she can to spend money on me. And I just won't let, like, I don't need anything. So yeah, I just spend redonkulous money on her if I can. Like whenever we can, yeah, just drop in random dough. And then I spend money like you spend money. I take trips. Like I, I've kind of, I'm like you without the Amazon dependency. Like oh, you, yeah. you are just wild on Amazon. Like yeah. we need to get you off that. <laughs> it's like, but outside of like Amazon, you, I do the same thing. Like you spend money on trips, so you know, taking the fam here, niece and nephew. That that's what you do. I do the same thing. Somehow though, you and Amazon, you end up with a bunch of shit for yourself. Like we're walking at Wrestle or Royal Rumble in Arizona. Like yo, Dre, look at this dude's jacket. You're like, oh yeah, that's gonna be at my crib on Monday. Ha ha ha. Monday comes, you in the picture with the jacket on. I, I mean, was, I wasn't playing. I was dead ass. It was, it was happening. It was absolutely happening. I told you I was going to buy that damn chocolate jacket. I saw that joint. I was like, I'm buying this. That's, that's what I do. I just, Amazon is my worst enemy because, like, I order video. Like, the things that I spend money on, like, sneakers occasionally. Um, I took a hiatus because I have way too many pairs of sneakers. You don't uh, even wear them all. It's impossible. I have three closets full of sneakers, which is dumb. But, um... That and video games, like a video, I'm a video game addict, and I used to review video games, so I used to get them for free, but then it just got too cumbersome, I just couldn't do it anymore. So I, I buy video games, I buy TVs, but now I have too many of those, so I don't buy those anymore. This morning, I like banana chips, right, because I've been on this diet and shit, so I just ordered like two pounds of banana chips and dry food. Don't ask me why, I just saw it, and I was like, <laughs> I need this, so I bought it. So I'm waiting, I'm looking at my, and Amazon's like the best, because anybody who knows this knows that I love getting things in the mail. Like, I love packages showing up my, at my door. But the thing is, is that we order so much stuff off of Amazon, I can't remember who ordered what. So it's like, I'll get to the, I'll see the package, i like, oh, shit, it's for me. And I'll open it up, and it's like, something my wife ordered, and it pisses me off, because it's like a, a false present. So, yeah, but other than that, yeah, like, I... I, I That's you, so ridiculous. When I went to your crib the last time, I was like, damn, which one is his? And I knew it was your crib, because your recycling bin was nothing but Amazon boxes. yeah. Yeah, my recycling bin is crazy. Like, that was mainly for, like, Christmas. And it was Christmas time. Yeah, it was, what, New Japan? So it was yeah, right after Christmas. Yeah, so it's, like, everything we bought, like, I rarely go to the store unless I'm buying stuff for my, my wife. I don't leave the house. Like, I really don't. Like, my car does not have a ton of mileage on it because I don't go anywhere. My wife goes to law school. I barely leave the house. <laughs> I'm in this bitch all day long. You got so the Amazon nice new whip and never use it. Yeah, it's like it doesn't have a lot of miles on it, you know. It's brand new, and my wife takes it to work, so we don't spend money like that. Like when you, I guess it's weird. You get to a certain point, you don't spend as much money, like but you do have like spending habits. Like yeah. we have buy like way too many groceries and shit like that, and Amazon. But it is what it is. I don't even know how we got to this. I don't know, but me not being financially responsible and trying to change my ways led us down this long corridor. Uh, one thing I want to talk to you about about Valentine's Day before we move on. What's your go-to romantic restaurant in Vegas? Because people are going to come out here. They're, you know, AEW, uh, Double or Nothing. We're going to get a ton of our listeners out here in Vegas. Memorial Day weekend. Um, shit, our show, all this stuff. It's going to be a fun time. If they bring their special lady friend, I know a couple of them have them. We see, we see them on social media. You know, they're booed up. Where, where's your go-to spot in Vegas? 
for the romantic night? Mm. Um, Andrean Steakhouse out in downtown Summerlin is really good if you like a good steakhouse. Um, Maggiano's, because I, I love Italian food. It's probably some of the best Italian food that I can find. Which one is that one? Maggiano's? Yeah. Um, that's also in downtown Summerlin now as well, but it used to be at the Fashion Show Mall. Okay, a, yeah, I know I know which one you're talking about then. Yeah, it used to be like the outdoor patio at the yeah. Fashion Show. Yeah. yeah, so so those are my like those are two the two main spots. I think I'm going to one of them for my birthday. I don't know which one, but uh, that's yeah. And I like the, I like the vibe and atmosphere of those spots. Um, there's another place. I'm trying to think of, I don't know. Those are the two that I can think of off the top of my head that I know I'm going to be frequenting. Like Andrean's a dope steakhouse, and they got like like special specialty drinks, and like they have a peppercorn sauce for the steak. Like it's it's good stuff. That's the place to go to. See, mine, my two spots are Italian spot and the steakhouse. So Italian spot, uh, it is Casa de Amore on Flamingo. Uh, yeah. It is legit. Um, they'll have you right in there. And it's like if you go on a Friday or Saturday night, they got the old school piano players. They got all the old Vegas pictures up. Um, I don't think their menu's changed in 50 years. They've been right there. So I love that old timey kind of mafia style feel. Um, that place is super dope, and the food is great. And I'm picky about Italian food because I was like, "Yo, I'm not going somewhere where they can't cook Italian food as good as me." I refuse to pay for it. I never go to Olive Garden. Like I don't, I don't do none of those places. My best friend is an Olive Garden just super fan, and every year for his birthday he goes to Olive Garden and he makes me go, and I get breadsticks and I sit there with a grumpy man face. Hmm, I like Olive Garden, so, so I can't I do it. Yeah, I, I, I am wildly picky. I can't go to Olive Garden or whatever. Buca de Beppo, I don't like too much. They're just portion sizes and not quality. But Casa de Amore, legit. And then for Steakhouse, Hugo Cellar downtown. And it's super old school. If you bring a woman with you, she gets a complimentary rose and they give it to her. Um, it's one of the only steakhouses, too, that come with sides, which is crazy. So it's not like everything's a la carte. Their steaks are bomb. It's another old school Vegas spot. Uh, and I found it because Elena's dad took each one of her sisters and her when they turned like 12 or 13, they're on a date. And that was like his thing. Like he'd take them there on like, he'd get dressed up, suit, tie, and make them get dressed up in the dress when they were 13 and took them there. I was like, this is how a man's supposed to treat you on a date. So I remember one year I surprised her and took her there. For her birthday. Like she had no clue. We showed up and all this stuff. And again, she cried and all this shit. But the food was great. Uh, best Caesar salad I've probably had in my life. And they make it like table side. Hmm. Yeah, so Hugo Cellar. Um, those are romantic spots of the evening. Brought to you by the Corner Podcast. You know, gotta, gotta make sure these people know, Dre. You gotta impart wisdom. Um, the other thing we talk about before we get into MMA and the UFC that we have to cover. And this... Revolves around fighting. Did you see Bowell get his ass whooped? I mean, I didn't see him get his ass whooped, but I mean, no one I saw him get his ass whooped. The pictures, <laughs> the pictures tell one hell of a story, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he got his ass whooped and then got arrested. That's kind of how this thing works, man. It's I don't even know how to explain it. Yeah, you, know, you know, you get into some domestic stuff, and uh, it yeah. depends on what kind of man you are, I guess. And that's and I I guess that's really the thing. Because it could be a domestic dispute where you don't do nothing, but you just get hands put on you. 
Yeah. There are women out there that put hands on men. Oh. There really are. <laughs> I knew a guy who got his ass whooped habitually. Yeah, he might really... still get his ass whooped. That shit ain't cool. I mean, I laugh, but it's not funny. Like, he really used to get his ass whooped by his girl. They're still together, though. Married, shit, kids. Yeah, that's wild. See, at a certain point, nah, can't have that happen. But, you know, the battle situation, I saw the pictures, and, you know, old girl didn't have no marks on her. So it's like, you know, people was like, bow out, bitch. And I'm like, so would you prefer she looked like Rihanna? Because then Bow Wow wouldn't be a bitch. Bow would be a woman beater. So it's Yeah, you can't go the opposite way on it. Slippery slope, man. Like people don't know what they want. People want, you know, one day they, they, they want no hands on women, the next day they're like Bow was a bitch because he got beat up by a girl. I don't I don't know what y'all want. But uh yeah. yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I mean, definitely scrape Claude. At that point, I mean the most you can do is shoot for a single leg and just, you know, quick take down, full mount. Ask her to stop beating your ass. They, they it. that's it. Just some good quality jujitsu. Just make sure you you neutralize her. That's why jujitsu is the ultimate sport. Neutralize her. Don't hit her. You're good. Get up in time and run. Girls will calm down sooner or later. But yeah, he took an ass whooping, and that makes me say this: Dre, bringing out the past moments. Have you ever had a fatal attraction? Or a crazy no. girl come after you? No. No. You're telling me all these Kappa League... You, I, I'm sure you had a reputation like, yo, Dre's going to do you dirty. No girl ever came after you? Mm, no. Not really. Not really. Like I said, I think I've told the story before about the girl that, you know, tried to uh, snatch her chain back off my neck. Oh, and yeah, I, had to, I, mean, I flattened her tires. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, that, that was one thing. But there was, was no, like, physical, like, old girl's going to come after me. Nothing like that. Nope. Nope. Oh, I'll, I'll never forget. I was younger and I was, it was high school. So, I mean, I was ninth, 10th grade and I was an idiot because I was a football player and there's cheerleaders and there was ROTC girls who were in the school secretly the freakiest girls in school. So there was this ROTC girl and I remember like she had a crush on one of my boys or, or something stupid. And I was like, yo, he said meet him here. Um, and, you know, he'll talk to you guys, you know, to exchange numbers, all this stuff. And he really likes you. Mind you, he didn't say none of this. I just thought it was funny. And she went and met him there. And I knew he was talking to this other girl. And I guess they were like boyfriend and girlfriend, high school status. And there was like this tree all the football players hung out next to. And I knew he'd be there at that time because it was before practice. And he was making out with his girlfriend at that time or whatever. And this chick was so pissed off. I'm chilling by the cafeteria, and there's this was the definition of on site. There was no words, no nothing. I saw her walking. I knew she was tight. I started to tap someone next to me and tell them what I did, like in a laughing manner, and she kicked me in the nuts harder than I've ever been kicked in my life. Like Jesus full Christ. AJ Styles, you know, Nakamura status, shot to the nuts. And it was right before practice. And I remember I went down like a ton of bricks. It was horrible. Like to the point where you get that steely taste in the back of your throat. That's how bad I was kicked in the nuts. And the only thing she said after that was, you asshole, you deserve it. And mm. I, when I got up, I was like, I kind of did. And that shit was still funny. But she kicked me square in the nuts. And at that point, I noticed, you know what? Sometimes a girl does deserve to hit you. Shit happens. <laughs> like, at that point, like, that's why, like, when Bow Wow got fucked up, I was like, 
You know, I don't know too many girls that just run around hitting men. The only instances I've seen are pretty much you deserve the shit. So I don't know the full story, but I'm pretty sure Bow Wow deserved the ass whooping. Yeah, probably. I mean, probably. When I when I got kicked in the nuts, I wholeheartedly deserved it. Well, damn. Learn something new about you every day. Every day, man. Kicked square in the nuts in front of everyone. It was in the quad next to the cafeteria. Couldn't even say nothing. No one else said nothing either. It was just a gasp. And then she walked off. So, yep, that's that's me dealing with a crazy girl. And it was completely my fault. So, Bow Wow happens to the best of us. Take this ass whooping. Keep moving. Uh, let's talk about UFC. Other ass whoopings. But these ass whoopings happened in the Octagon this weekend. ESPN Plus, I'm just going to call it Brazil. Because I forgot where they were in Brazil. It was like Forteza or something. Something that sounded like the racing game. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this close. So ESPN, the three fights that I really want to touch on, because it was a you know a good card, but it was a lot of Brazilians, hometown crowd type thing. That's dope. But the three fights I really want to talk about, one, Damian Maya just completely wrapping a dude up again and being Damian Maya. At this point, he never really has to fade, right? Like his style is time-proof. Yeah. I mean, a jiu-jitsu practitioner like Damian Maya who's fighting Lyman Good, who was, you know, pretty much a stand-up guy, it, he's going to win every time. You know, as long as he is a competent striker, which he's become over the years, he's going to remain probably the top seven in that division because the, the lower-level guys, they don't have that kind of level of jujitsu, and you could be like, Hoist Gracie proved that. You could be like 90 years old and just be wrapping <laughs> people up. It doesn't Word. really matter. As long as you stay away from a striker or a wrestler, like a really competent wrestler that, that knows how to really pin somebody down, He'll be fine. And Lyman Gill was a guy who had, there was nothing he could do. Once Damian Maia got his hands on him, it was a wrap. Quick, like a boa constrictor. It was amazing to watch. Like, Damian Maia hasn't done that in a while. I mean, he did it to Carlos Condit. He, you know, he, when he was that, though? That was two years ago. Was it two years ago? Was it that long ago? Yeah, it was, man. It's it's Condit, a, it seems a long it, time ago. As much as I like Carlos Condit, I feel like he's been washed for at least three years now. But... Whenever that fight happened, because I remember I thought maybe this will be kind of his get back. Nope. Maya shot a single, wrapped him up, choked him, choked him out. Was it a real naked choke? Whatever it was, he submitted. And it's just what Damian Maya does. Like, un unless it's a guy like Tyron Woodley who can neutralize the takedown and blow you up with the right hand, Maya's not going to have a too difficult a time with a lot of these guys. Um, Which is Kobe crazy because Kobe Covington seemed to yeah. take it to him with the hands. But I guess Kobe's wrestling defense is great. Like He's a good He's wrestler. a great wrestler, yeah. Yeah, so it's like if you if you can neutralize the takedown and avoid being put on your back. Like if you're just a striker, you're done. Unless I mean, there's, there's examples like uh, what was that kid's name? McLovin. The kid looked like McLovin. I can't remember his name. But uh, <laughs> Dustin, Dustin Hazley. Dustin Hazley fought Saint <laughs> Marquardt years ago, and people loved his name. They called him McLovin. People loved his jujitsu and thought he'd be next in the division. And he was fighting Nate Marquardt, who at the time in the middleweight division was a ridiculously good striker. Yeah. And Hazley didn't know how to take him down, so the fight started, and he ran at him to do a running knee, and Marquardt just blew him up with the right hand, and the fight was over. <laughs> so it's like you have to have some decent striking in order to use your jiu-jitsu because the game has evolved so much. And Maya has decent striking, and Lyman Good just doesn't really have nothing for him. So, yeah. Maya's going to c continue to do this to people until he faces another elite striker, or not elite striker, elite wrestler, 
with some good striking. Otherwise, there's everybody else is screwed. Yeah, that's so crazy. Styles definitely make fights. Um, but to me, I thought again. I said this a lot lately. I thought you know what? This is the point where they're washed. Nah, and he's not. And the next guy isn't either. Jose Aldo against Moicano, and I thought Moicano. I I thought Aldo was the gatekeeper. Nah. Nope. And, and we saw for the first time in a long time. I saw WEC Aldo, where it's head punches, those body shots, like to. To really want to finish someone like he did and just tear their body apart was amazing to watch. It was like a, a Wolverine in there. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple things. Like, dude, Josie Aldo's lost to Max Holloway and Conor McGregor. Yeah. So, that's like, that's people say he's watching. People, I mean, he, he destroyed Jeremy Stevens' body in this previous fight. And Renato McConnell just, there was really nothing he could do. Like, Josie Aldo is still going to ransack a bunch of people in this division. Maybe he should move up to lightweight, which is super stacked, and that'll probably be his way out, because he'll probably get beat there. But as long as he's a featherweight, there's really nobody can really beat him except for Max Holloway. I mean, if people remember, UFC 200, he kind of ran circles around Frankie Edgar. Yeah. You know, I mean, give me Brian Ortega, Jose Aldo. That's the fight I want to see. That's what Ortega wants to see. He immediately went to Twitter afterwards and was like, hey, listen, let's get the negotiations going. And Aldo wants to fight at 237, I think, which is also in Brazil. I don't think he fights out of Brazil anymore. Um, and in Brazil, Aldo is reaching, like, TRT Belfort levels. Yeah, C-level C level Kane. Kane. yeah. But also, you have to add something. It's not just, you know, Brazil, Aldo. It's three-round Brazil, Aldo. Like, there's something different about Aldo who doesn't have to pace himself for 25 minutes. Yeah. Where he can kind of blow his load in a round or two and get you out of there. Because once he's got a lead, he's, you're pretty much done. So it's like... Three round Aldo, and because anything at past three rounds, he's just not the same fighter. So the Moicano fight, it was just like after he got in round two, he was like, "All right, time to get this over with." He didn't have to worry about pacing himself, so he blew him up. So hopefully, they make the Jose Aldo uh, Brian Ortega fight. That's the fight that needs to be made. The problem with the featherweight division now is that Max Holloway has been so dominant that it's like he needs to move to lightweight. Because I, who else does he fight? He, he I don't think so. I mean, I think Zabit is coming. Nah, I don't think Zabit's going to be much of a problem for him. And the thing is, like most, unlike most guys, Max Holloway cleaned out the division on his way to the title. Like He took the long way. Like Where Conor McGregor just like one, two, skip a few, and now I'm in the title fight, Max Holloway just pretty much fought everybody in that division. And then it was just like, then he's on top, and he beat up Jose Aldo twice, and then he murdered Brian Ortega in a fight that a lot of people thought Ortega had a great shot at. And he just ran him over. So it's like you look at the rest of the division, well, who's left? He's already beat Cub Swanson. I mean, McConnell just lost. He's already beat Jose Aldo. Uh, Zabit is the one guy, but Zabit needs a, a noose, another win. He doesn't just jump right into the title picture. Yeah, I mean, Zabit, I don't want them to rush him either. But, yeah, I mean, Zabit's a fresh matchup. And ever since uh, Holloway won last time, I thought Frankie Edgar was the guy. Like, you know what? Frankie deserves one more shot against someone who's not named Jose Aldo. Well, that's the problem. Like, Frankie's going to have to win a fight. You know, he's going to have to win a fight against a legitimate guy. And you I know, just the say other guy... give it to him. Like, longevity. Frankie's beat people already. Frankie damn near ran through the division outside of Jose Aldo. And then Ortega caught him with the with the nasty, what was it, like elbow or something? Knocked him out. No, the uppercut. But uppercut, the, yeah. The only other guy in this division that is racing up the ladder as well is uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, who sent Chad Mendes into retirement. 
But it feels like even Volkanovski, as good as he is, it's like you need another fight. So, look, give me Brian Ortega versus Jose Aldo and give me Frankie Edgar versus Alexander Volkanovski. And let them figure it out. Because I, so I, I can't see another path for Max Holloway for a title defense. There's nobody that's earned it. I mean, Volkanovski is not ready. Like, Zabit, you know, he's ranked 14th. He's got a ways to go. So it's like, there's nobody else there. And, he, and then the funny thing is, because if Ortega and Aldo fight, it's not really even a title eliminator because both of them got beat up by Max Holloway. <laughs> so, it's, so it's the other fight that gets the title. The, the guys who were ranked three and four are the guys who will be fighting for the title, not the one and two guys. The one and two guys are fighting for fun. Because Max don't need to fight either of them again. Yeah. I mean, that's... Max doesn't have to move up necessarily. If Max moves up, he has to move right to the title picture. And I don't think that's fair either. I don't... You know what? I don't think so. I think the interesting thing about the lightweight division is it's really crowded right now. And there's no way you should be allowed to jump over Tony Ferguson or (coughs) Dustin. Like, you can't. It's just... It's not fair. So, Dustin Poirier deserves to be in the title picture. Tony Ferguson deserves to be in the title picture. Obviously, you have Khabib sitting on top. Conor McGregor, who looks like he's going to fight Donald Cerrone. So if Max were to show up, it'd either be against Conor McGregor in a rematch or somebody like uh, Ally Akinta. See, but that's weird. Like, you have a full a full champion who's just on this crazy run, and you're just going to fight Ally Akinta? Like, it you just it feels... You- just. You can't have him leapfrog a guy like Dustin Poirier who worked his ass off to get there. Otherwise, you can have Max Holloway fight Dustin Poirier because that's the last person he lost to. I'm all right with that. But it's it still just seems like it falls flat. Nah, you, I mean, you can't do it any other way. Can you, in fairness, say that he should fight for the title instead of Tony Ferguson, who was the interim champion? No, but if Tony gets hurt, then yeah. I mean, he you can't almost jump did. Dustin Poirier. You can't jump over Dustin Poirier. He didn't. He hasn't beaten Dustin Poirier, and Poirier's done more than enough to garner a title fight. You can't jump past Dustin Poirier. If you're Max Holloway, you. I mean, shit. If you're Max Holloway, you should want to fight Dustin Poirier again. That is the last man to beat you. Yeah. Well, Connor actually, Connor actually, but Dustin Poirier was. He submitted him. I remember seeing the fight here in Vegas, and that was when Max was twenty. Yep. Super skinny Max. (laughs) Yeah, he was a different fighter. No, it definitely is a different fighter now. And round it out. But if he moves up, you can't give him anyone besides Khabib. Nah. You just can't. Like, it's all champ versus champ if he moves up. No. If not, he stays down and he takes on contenders. Let's be clear. No more champ versus champ fights. All it does is fuck up the division. I'm over this shit, too. But if you want people to move up and down, then he got to vacate and then work his way up. He can't hold the belt and work his way up. It makes no sense. Exactly. Because he's going to lose to Ally Quinta, and you're going to shit on the whole division that he is champion Exactly. Look at what TJ Dillashaw did. Now you just ruined the whole division, which we're about to talk about. Now, in the main event, Marlon Moraes comes through, and earning a title shot isn't even the right word. He snatched his title shot with just with his bare hand, held that shit up. It was like it's mine. Like it's like it was a crazy old school war movie, and he just had the head of the opponent. In his hands and shit. He left no doubt. He is an amazing finisher. A guy that we watched for years. And was like, you know what? When he gets to UFC, we'll think he'll translate, right? We thought the same about Gaethje. But Gaethje has kind of run into these guys where he's met his match and the style didn't hold up. Moraes is 
different than that. To me, he's more dominant than Alvarez was, and Alvarez became champion. Well, yeah. I mean, Eddie Alvarez, you know, he lost to Michael Chandler. Like, Marlon Moraes was just running through World Series and fighting. Like, he, he had little resistance in the division. But, you know, he showed up in the UFC to gave him a tough fight against the Sun Sao, and he lost a, a hotly contested split decision. So he goes back to the drawing board. He destroys Aljamain Sterling. Like, he just, he just starts running over people, and now here he is again in a rematch with Rafael Asuncao, and what does he do? He obliterates him. He's Poor Asuncao, first and foremost, because Asuncao is a guy who should have had a title fight sometime in his career, <laughs> and he's never going to get one. Well, this champ versus champ matchup really fucked him over. Yeah, it did, but he, that, I mean, that's kind of been the story of Asuncao's career. Something always happens that screws him over. And now he's like, all right, I'm close to getting a title fight, and he just gets destroyed by Marlon Moraes. So it's like, back to the drawing board for you. But now it's like, all right, well, if TJ and Henry are going to fight in a rematch at Bantamweight, which is how it should be, but I don't know, I don't know what they're doing. What's Marlon going to do? Just sit there and wait? That's not fair. No, but I don't want to see that rematch at Bantamweight. We're good. Like, they're trying way too hard to kill that division, the flyweight division. They're good. Flyweight I mean, has a number one contender. Bantamweight has a number one contender. Let's let it rock. It's it's. I agree with you. It's just it sucks because you put Henry in this position by allowing this to happen, and Henry destroyed T.J. Dillashaw in a matter of seconds. Yes. And whether you argue with the contested stoppage or not, whatever it is, what it is. So if I'm Henry, I'm like, well, he got a shot at my title. Why wouldn't I want a shot at his? Why would I? Why should I have to defend the title? on a division that I know you're going to shut down. Like, that's how I, if I'm Henry, that's how I'm thinking. The reality is, yes, to clear this all this up, Murray should fight Dillashaw, and, uh, and uh, Henry Cejudo should fight Joe Benavidez. Like, that's how it should be. But you put yourself in this position by having this title versus title picture, and then the guy who challenges for the title loses. You haven't had this happen before. The guy who moves in weight loses. And now you're looking at it where, where Cejudo's like, well, I want to be a dual champ now. You gave him a chance. Why? Shouldn't have happened. Like, Dillashaw shouldn't have really even fought Cejudo in the first place. Cejudo should have fought Benavidez. <laughs> he true. just got the damn title. But when you do these things to try to make history, because, dude, let's be honest, don't nobody give a shit about a dual champ anymore. Nobody no. does. No, like, it's it, like, it it's doesn't like, mean what it used to be. No, it's like boxing. Like, Adrian Broner's a four-division world champion. What does that mean? Nothing means a lot to glasses and low. Yeah, but who cares? Like the point is, is like dual champ doesn't have the same ring to it. Connor made it a popular thing, and then Cormier was very impressive, moving up to beat Stipe, and Amanda did it against Cyborg. You can't really top those three. You can't. You can't. You just you can't. Well, I said it. you couldn't top those two, and then Amanda starts Cyborg. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like those three, like or the three people. Like after that, anybody who is a dual champ. Unless you beat John Jones, unless Tyron Woodley moves up to beat John Jones, there's really no other way you can go where this is like, man, this dual champ thing is really special. Yeah, that's the shit. No, there's no real dominant champion where you're just like, oh, like or like Robert Whitaker moves up to light heavyweight. Like I, I, I can't see a scenario where a guy challenges for a title and it's like it's like historic. Even if Dillashaw beats Cejudo, you'd be like, eh, he was supposed to win. If it was DJ, it would be a different story. But it's Cejudo. Suda just got a title. He's not a dominant champion. Miocic, dominant champion. Cyborg, dominant champion. It did. Connor's situation was different because Alvarez wasn't necessarily a dominant champion, but he was the first to do it. Other yeah. than that, I don't care anymore. 
I don't know. They at least got to take a break. But again, there's no matchups I want to see. No, so that, that's the biggest thing. Like, I can't find a champ versus champ matchup left that I'm intrigued about. Well, there, there's one that's intriguing. I don't think the result will be much different, but the only way it should happen is if it's a heavyweight. It's John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. It's the only other one left. All right. But even then, it's just like, I'm a, I'm a fan of Daniel Cormier. I don't want to see him lose again. <laughs> yeah, him crying after all of these losses, yeah, it's heartbreaking. It's like the, that's the mountain you can't climb, man. John Jones, you can hate him as much as you want, but he, when that cage door shuts, you can't beat him. He's the best to ever do it. After that octagon door closes, best to ever do it. And I don't. hopefully DC just takes this Brock Lesnar paycheck and calls it a day. Go commentate WWE or something when it moves to Fox. Like, just go chill. Collect the checks. He, he's done enough. Yeah, because another John Jones loss, like, that does nothing for him. And maybe he does think he can get it back. He did pretty well that last fight before he got kicked in the head. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he got kicked in the head. So, yeah, that's, that's going to be ugly. Um, This weekend, UFC 234 is going down. And this is our run of, like, okay, there's a UFC fight. Every weekend for like the next month and a half. Forever. That's what it feels like. It feels like a <laughs> UFC fight every week forever. Yeah. So um, this weekend we have, let's say, let's see what's on the prelims. I just want to make sure we're not missing anything crazy. No, just solid fights. Uh, now, Ishihara's is a, fighting. Dog, this is a two-fight card. Yeah, three. No, no, you're right. It's two. It's two-fight cards. <laughs> so and the co-main and the main which they've been promoting really well. So Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva. <sighs> Talking about not wanting to see someone go out the wrong way. This is a tough fight. I liked it at first. I don't think you liked it. They first announced it. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's dope. Silesky, but, but the more I watch, Anderson's not Anderson. It's, it's a young kid who he has a lot of respect. But I'm not sure if he's going to take it easy on him in the heat of the moment. This could be a go-out-on-your-back type moment for Anderson Silva. And I think he's done too much for that. Like, it's cool. Listen, Chris Weidman clipped him. Broke his leg in the other one. Understand. Everything else has kind of been sloppy and ugly fights. He's lost. He's made it to the buzzer, though. Um, damn near arguably could say he beat Bisping. That didn't count. Everything else has kind of been a toss-up. This one, I think it's going to be ugly. If it goes two rounds, I'm surprised. Yeah, I mean, look, Anderson Silva is a striker by nature, and Israel Adesanya is basically the new and improved Anderson Silva. Because the one thing we haven't really seen from Adesanya is jujitsu, and he's you know people say his to neutralize him you have to be a wrestler. Yeah, but his wrestling defense looked great the last time out though. Well, against Derek Brunson, yeah, but in this case, it's Anderson's like Anderson has nothing else to do but strike. He doesn't show up shooting for a take. Like, somebody tell me the last time you saw Anderson Silva shoot for a takedown. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. He gets taken down. He's on his back. Maybe he'll wrap someone up from there. Yeah, so this is, this is like a glory kickboxing match is what this is. And Adesanya is younger, faster, stronger. And, I mean, I, I don't see this. Like, Adesanya, in our interview over at Sport News, he told us that um, – he like he would like to get this fight into the second round so he can show people everything he can do. Not everything. He wants to show people a lot of things he can do. He wants to have fun in there. Now that could be a, a slippery slope. Like you can go ahead and fuck around and get kicked in the head and lose. It's possible. 
Very but, possible. Kick, like, front kick to the face. Yeah, but I think that Adesanya's competent enough, and Anderson's a little bit older and longer in the tooth, where he can kind of see everything coming. The smart thing to do is just just take Anderson Silva out, don't let him get into a groove, and destroy him. Yep. That's, pr- that's what I see happening here. If Adesanya plays games, he could get caught. But, yeah, like I said, I never wanted to see this fight happen. And now, now it's an effectively a title eliminator, which is kind of ridiculous. Because if Anderson Silva were to win, you mean to tell me that Anderson Silva deserves a title fight? No, but it's my Frankie Edgar defense. Like, okay, you beat someone. Why not? Like, just sure. Ah, man, no. Like, there's as long as Jacare's hanging around, and I can't give Anderson Silva a shot over Jacare. Did like Adesanya fight Jacare? No, no, no. Jacare no, got... Rocked that, by uh, Bobby Knuckles, I think. Yeah, like Jacare lost to, to, uh, to yeah to Robert Whitaker, but since then, Jacare has been dominant, and he's a guy who should be next in line. It shouldn't be Anderson. <coughs> and even if Adesanya does win, I mean, yeah, this is one of those situations where you're kind of racing the guy up the ladder. Oh, rushing him straight to the top without and, question. And it's 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 dangerous because I mean I guess. I don't know, man. I mean, I mean, we all see a star in Israel Adesanya. But like I said, I think last week, Adesanya had a great year last year, and everybody had him as a breakthrough fight of the year. But it was mostly in large part to his mouth and his personality. Tatiana Suarez was really the prospect of the year last year. Oh, she yeah. was really the breakthrough fighter. So it's like I'd like to see Adesanya deal with Jacare before he gets a title fight. But if he wins I, the title, then he has to fight Jacare anyway. So what's yeah. the problem? He just does so as champion. Well, the problem is, is that Jacare earned a title fight. Like, why do we have rankings if you're not going to use them at all? It's not like the guy's ranked 11th. Jacare's ranked 3. No, I'm talking about Adesanya. This will move him to, what, 5, 4? I, I doubt it. Like, Adesanya beating Anderson Silva, who's currently ranked, like, 15th because of the suspension and all that shit. Like, behind, ahead of Adesanya is Chris Weidman, Kelvin Gastelum, Jacare, Luke Rockhold, who's moving up to, like, heavyweight, and Yoel Romero. So it's like two of those guys probably, Romero and Rockhold, probably going to bump up to light heavyweight. So Jacques Ray is like essentially your number one contender. So why shouldn't he get the fight? And then you have Adesanya versus Weidman. Like, that, it's, there's so much. Yes. No, I, yes. I, like, I like the idea of Jacques Ray versus Paulo Costa. I mean, I think Costa's going to be a problem for a lot of people, too. Isn't that fight already booked? I believe so. I, I think it's booked for Brazil. So. That's that's the thing that I'm looking at here is like, all right, well, if Jacare beats Paulo Costa, that's a bigger win than Adesanya beating Anderson Silva. Yes. So so it's it's tricky, man. Like, I don't like when Dana White does things like on the whim, like this week saying, oh, this is a title eliminator. No, man, let, let these things shake out first. If Anderson Silva goes in there and gets dominated and Adesanya looks good, but then Jacare looks better beating Paulo Costa. You kind of got to give the nod to Jacare. Don't call this shit a title eliminator. Let's let these things shake out and we'll go from there. Because let's be honest, guys. Anderson Silva is not the guy to get you a title fight. He hasn't been that guy for a long time. I guess Costa got injured not too long ago. Nothing's finalized yet. Well, He's not even healthy again yet. Jacare, bottom, bottom line, Jacare should be next in line. I don't care what Adesanya does to Anderson the Spider Silva. He's, Anderson Silva is not the same guy. He's uh, not. I don't. I don't know. I, every, it's a matchup we've seen. 
If, if Bobby okay. Knuckles wins, it's a matchup we've seen. Dog, again, why do you have rankings? That's that's all I'm saying. Like, why do you have rankings if you're not going to use them? They did why use them. Have... He got a shot. He lost. How long? No, no, no. He didn't get a title fight. Robert Whitaker beat Jacare on the way to the title. Correct. So it's Jacare didn't get his title fight. He hasn't had his title fight yet. Lost his last two losses. Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum. No matter who wins, he's lost to both guys in the past two years. Not like it was a while ago. It was 2017 and 2018. No, I don't want to see you run it back. No, 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 no. He's stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I'm sorry, but he is. So you think? So you think that if if Israel Adesanya beats Anderson Silva, that should give him a title fight? Yes. Based yes, on- I, I, and you're rocketing up the kid. I understand, but based on matchups, who they who Robert Whitaker have already beaten, Chris Weidman coming off a loss. You, look at so Weidman's ahead of him off a loss. Um, Joel Romero already lost to Whitaker twice. Then you have Jacare lost to Whitaker. That's it. Everyone ahead of him took the L. Chris Weidman took just fresh off the L. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this because I don't like guys getting raced up for this reason. Darren Till wasn't ready for Tyron Woodley. He wasn't. At the at the time though, I wasn't mad at it. Yeah, but he wasn't now, ready. Yeah, now it seems like they threw him threw him in the. It didn't seem like it. They did. Like I said from the beginning, I was like, "Yo, who's he beat? He beat Donald Cerrone, who he's like a huge against. He barely beat Wonder Boy. I didn't Throw think he beat Wonder Boy, by the way. And this is my point. Like, but you couldn't. They, they're not giving Wonder Boy another title match. You talk like, about someone who deserves a title fight. But, but that this is my problem. My problem is like one, in which we'll talk about. Robert Whitaker is the best fighter nobody's talking about. The man has beaten Yoel Romero twice and Jacare. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm one of those guys where I'm just like I don't know why I don't talk about him. Like, he, he's in the Frankie Edgar category for me. He doesn't have a flashy personality. He doesn't do it for me, right? And like, but you, he's I'll an amazing you, champion. I'll tell you the primary reason. His health. Can't stay healthy. He was supposed yeah. to fight Luke Rockhold last year. He had that staph infection. Yeah. He had to sit on the shelf. His inactivity is what's hurt him the most. But you look, like, yo, Romero was a pound-for-pound guy to a lot of people. Jacare is a former champion. Damn, Whitaker's younger than me. Yeah, like, he's 28 Bobby. years old. And please accept the nickname. You are Bobby Knuckles. Yeah, what is this Dana White shit? Yeah, erase your real name. I don't care about Robert Whitaker. I care about Bobby Knuckles. Knuckles, That's it. The Reaper. Call him the Reaper. No. But that. But that being said, is the the reason why I hated this fight to begin with with Adesanya and Anderson Silva is because it's not a fight that should be a title eliminator, and it's against the guy who is pretty much watched we're sending out to the pasture, and it shouldn't be the way that Adesanya gets a title fight. Adesanya should have been booked against Jacare from the beginning. Yeah, but this is a bigger star-making moment for him, and you got to agree. But uh, are you trying to make stars? Or are you trying to are you trying to give guys title fights? If, is that if, is that an honest is that an honest question? Like, of course but, but, they're trying to make stars. Then get rid of the ranking system. Then throw that shit out the window. What do you want that's, me to say? Like, that's yeah, what, that's but what I'm saying. Like, what's the point of having a ranking system? If you're trying to make a guy a star from beating somebody's watch. No, like, they're, they're making champ versus champ fights. Like, the shit's going out of style. The ranking systems are already blown up. That, but that's that's all I'm saying is like Adesanya versus Silva just shouldn't happen. It just shouldn't. I'm not a fan of the fight. I never was a fan of the fight. It's not what. It, and on top of that, what did Anderson Silva do to earn a shot with, against Israel Adesanya? If Anderson Silva wins this fight, this is ridiculous. He gets a title. Yeah, I don't know. 
He ain't do shit but fail a test and then be the upstart. Who may have just slipped up on his way to a tie. Like, come on, man. This is, it's, it's really, it's dumb. And again, <laughs> I get like, in a vacuum, Adesanya versus Anderson Silva, you know, style-wise, people want to see it, great. But it should not be, we should not immediately call this a title eliminator. Let things shake out and then we'll decide. I'm don't open say to that, but I, I don't don't promise guys shit. Like this is the one thing that Dana does a lot: promising people, "Oh, you get the title fight." All the Based time. on what? Your word? Fuck that. And then the match is boring, and then he's like, "Oh, this guy's not ready for a title fight. That's not title fight count. Like, don't say anything. Just let it play out." Um, and then he looks like an idiot. So we'll see. We'll more see importantly, case more importantly, like more importantly, how can you promise Anderson Silva a title fight when his record in his last six fights is one four with one one and four with one no contest? Dre, I, I will present to you Exhibit A, Brock Lesnar. It doesn't matter. Dog, Brock, 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 at, least beat, Brock at least beat Mark Hunt. Even but though that's, that's a one. So what? Edison Silva beat Nick Diaz. That shit's the one. But, but I'm saying... Like, and, and, right? We saw him. We were cage but, side. But, but Brock Lesnar's not in the title eliminator fight. Brock Lesnar is in the number one contender spot. The hell with an eliminator. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not in the Dre, if he fight. says he's in there tomorrow and he passes the drug test, he's getting the shot at Cormier. They walked him into the octagon. But but here's here's the issue. He's Cormier's, the number one contender. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Cormier's calling his shot. Like if Robert Whitaker said he wanted to fight Anderson Silva, he's calling his shot. Robert Whitaker never said he wanted to fight Anderson Silva. Like Daniel Cormier is looking at a payday against Brock Lesnar. Right. That, he's, a, he's a champion looking for a payday. And the UFC is looking for their payday with Anderson Silva one more there, time. There is no payday with Anderson. Anderson Silva's never been a draw. This is fact. Anderson Silva's never been a draw. You better in Jacare. But, dude, I'm just, again, one, one and four, you only beat Derek Brunson barely in a fight that a lot of people thought you lost. You've been suspended on top of that. You're, you're laying out Brock Lesnar's entire resume. No, I'm laying, we're doing? Out, like I'm it, laying it, out. It compares out. exactly the same. And this man no, was paraded the into the octagon. The champion is asking for Brock Lesnar to get paid. Robert Whitaker is not asking for Anderson Silva. And Brock Lesnar is not in a, any kind of title eliminator. Brock Lesnar, if you look at the heavyweight division, it's kind of shitty. Whereas the middleweight division, pretty interesting. That's fair. Pretty interesting. But they've all lost to Bobby Knuckles already. Right? Uh, it's not uh, like he's not jumping people that's that are fresh matchups. I mean the only person would be Luke Rockhold, but he got hurt in that fight, so Yeah. But again, I just and it's so it doesn't deserve it. Again, bottom line, don't call this shit a title eliminator. Didn't like it being booked <laughs> in the first place. Don't call this shit a title eliminator. It shouldn't be that. Let the fight happen and then figure this shit out. We'll see. But I have a sneaky suspicion. We'll be seeing one of these two guys challenge Robert Whitaker on International Fight Week on that card here in Vegas. Um, oh, let's pick the main event. I made my pick. We're talking all this shit. I think Bobby Knuckles wins. When he's healthy, he's just hard to stop. I mean, Gasol yeah. included. I mean, if you look at Robert Whitaker and what he's dealt, like, dog, I, I like Kelvin Gasol. I think Kelvin Gasol's matured a lot. He ran over Michael Bisping, he beat Jacare. Um, He's, he's a lot better than the kid who came off of the Ultimate Fighter. Robert Whitaker, like, I was looking at the fights with Romero, and I looked at 
you know, him getting rocked because, you know, Romero's built like a super soldier. Oh, yeah. And, and he survived. He won these fights. Like, he won these fights. And I just and – and the thing about Robert Whitaker is he's got remarkable takedown defense. Like, it's not average. This shit is superb. Yeah. Romero, an Olympic gold medalist, could not take him down. Struggled mightily with it. I can't see Kelvin Gastelum beating him. I just can't see it happening. No, I think if you beat Whitaker, it's because your striking's just so next level that you catch him. That's the only way. But That's in a methodical way. game, you're yeah, you're you're playing with fire. Also, I need to figure out what's going on with Kelvin Gastelum. Let's say he got a ringworm and like some staff or something going on. Like it does. That's a nasty. Like he needs Doctor Pimple Popper. Like yeah. Like come on, man. Like there, there comes a point where I'm like, yo, I don't know if I want to fight this guy. What's wrong with you people? Yeah, someone got to handle that before uh, fight night. It just looked real bad, real ugly. So yeah. we'll see what comes of it. Um, and we'll see who wins the number one contenders fight on Saturday. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're just going to real quick talk about boxing, the weekend that was, uh, talk about this AEW show. Not much to talk about in WWE. So you guys stay tuned. And we also have a really, really good interview uh, with Josiah. And if you guys haven't seen it on, you know, Twitter, everything else, this guy is incredible. He does wrestle and flow. One of just the dopest spitters right now, especially you're looking at a game where, let's be real, I was going over like this double XL freshman cover shit. Not too many people are caring about lyricism and he does it with wrestling. So it's super dope interview with him. Uh, you guys hear that full interview. So stay tuned after the break. We'll bring all that to you guys. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen. You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. We are back and we're talking boxing. Uh, decent weekend last week, Dre. Not bad. Yes. And Sergey Kovalev lives to fight another day. This was a fight where I was kind of half-heartedly watching it. Um, I forgot what I was watching. I might have been watching UFC instead. And this one was just like on my laptop. But your Twitter feed just kept me looking back at the fight. Because you seemed upset that Kovalev was just... He won this fight coasting. Well... Alita Alvarez beat Sergey Kovalev by applying pressure knowing that Kovalev's had a terrible gas tank, and then catching him with a shot right on the chin. Yep. Alvarez walked into this fight like, I'm just going to wait until he gets tired, and then I'm going to crank it up. Problem is, Kovalev 
knows what you're about to do, knows his gas tank is shit, so he planned to fight to pace himself throughout the fight. And Alvarez never pressured him. For 12 rounds, Alvarez never stepped on the gas to force Kovalev to expend energy and allow Kovalev. And then on top of that, Alvarez would somehow think he's a knockout artist because he knocked out Kovalev. No, you got you don't knock out a lot of people. You know, 50%. So, and a lot of them were early in your career. So it's like, all right, well, um, you're gonna coast, and Kovalev, who's a competent boxer, like this, like Kovalev went to his Bernard two years Hopkins ago, back. he was top three pound for pound. Dude, he, a lot of people, he was number one. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, but Kovalev for this fight, where people forgot he could box, he went to his Bernard Hopkins bag, where he paced himself. He didn't put a lot on his punches, but he did enough to win the fight. Mm-hmm. I was disgusted with Lita Alvarez's performance. I was absolutely perturbed by how this man just came out and was like, I'll just wait for him to get tired. And his corner's yelling like, fight, like, what are you doing? You won this fight last time by putting pressure on Kovalev. And he didn't do it, and he deserved to lose that title. And, he, and you just gave Kovalev confidence as a light heavyweight. You just gave him a ton of confidence. As if he would have lost that fight, career probably over. Yeah, retirement. Now, yeah, he lives to fight another day. Now he's but a champion Alvarez, again. I was probably let him off the hook. I can't. I, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And it wasn't a good enough fight either to garner a trilogy. No. So he messed up the bag. That that hunger was gone. And Kovalev did just enough. So it's interesting to see who Kovalev fights next. Um, yeah, is he that stepping stone? Right now he got a belt. If I'm anywhere near that division, if I can move up, if I'm there, like I, I'm going to take my shot at. Well, if you can, I mean, there's there could be like there's a Dimitri Bivol fight which could possibly happen, which I doubt it. Uh, well, I mean, I guess the Bivol fight could happen. They have to figure out something with Matchroom. Um, you know, Marcus Brown, but it's a PBC fighter. Marcus <sighs> Brown just you know split Badu Jack's head wide the fuck open to the white. Um, this Arter better, better be like he's there. There's a uh, Alexander Zhidozik. Uh, he's there. He's a title holder, WBC champion. The guy who de- sent Adonis Stevenson to the hospital. There are there the light heavyweight division is very intriguing, and there's no top dog. Everybody's got this. There's four guys with a piece of the title: uh, Alexander, Sergey, Dmitry Bivol, and Arter Betterbeev. And then you have Marcus Brown hanging around, Alita Alvarez. Who knows where, when Badu Jack is coming back? Um, you have Joe Smith Jr., who I believe is he. I think believe he's fighting uh, Dimitri Bivol. So the lightweight division is interesting. And Kovalev was a guy who, if he would have lost this fight, he would have retired or he would have been a gatekeeper. Now he's a title holder. So he might be the gatekeeper title holder, though. I don't know, man. Like I, he didn't impress me much. And again, I was watching out the corner of my eye. I mean, he's, he's fighting an undefeated guy, a leader Alvarez, who knocked him out. So, like, again, he boxed well. Like, Kovalev boxed very well. You know, I mean, it's almost the, the Jose Aldo thing is people forget, like, oh, Jose Aldo lost to Max Holloway and Jose Aldo lost to Conor McGregor. Well, shit. Like, who has Sergey Kovalev lost to? Andre Ward, who was the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world? He's still legit. Yeah. So the Alvarez fight, all right, well, shit happens. He's back on the Schwartz now. He, he could be all right, man. Like, I, I would not call him a stepping stone. We'll see. The next fight is everything for him. Um, one person who really did impress me, and you've been talking about him 
all year. He might have been like your prospect to watch next year or like your number one prospect or something. When we did our um, awards in December, Teofimo Lopez. Yeah, he's a fucking problem. <laughs> like, woo! He never took his foot off the gas and just completely annihilated his opponent. Um, and you said, watch for the dance afterwards. He danced on him and damn near buried him, which almost started a fight in the ring. But outside of that, th- this kid is a beast. And I think, I-, I think this is just the beginning. That division now becomes very, very interesting. Within yeah, five, I mean, five pounds, you, you get some incredible matchups. Teofimo Lopez is a guy who, when he came out of the Olympics, he wasn't a lot of, on a lot of people's radar. And uh, Lopez has an interesting story. Lopez qualified to fight for the American Olympic team and the U.S. Olympic qualifiers. However, the bullshit commission, which they've all been suspended, they picked somebody else instead of him and wouldn't allow Lopez to fight in the Olympics. So what Lopez did, his parents are from the Honduras. He fought for the Honduras. And he lost a super controversial fight to the eventual silver medalist who I can't remember his name and nobody knows who he is. <laughs> and since then, like, when he came out of that, you know, he signed the top rank and it was just like, oh, you know. But his story, like, people didn't really know his story. So now it's not amateur boxing because you look at guys who had solid amateur careers, went to the Olympics, didn't win a gold medal, but became big stars. Roy Jones Jr., Floyd Mayweather, you look at Errol Spence. Like, when the headgear comes off, they become different fighters. thing about Teofimo Lopez is he could take a punch, which we haven't really seen yet, mm-hmm. but from what I've gathered from people talking, he could take a punch, but he can box, and he's got heavy, heavy hands and great footwork, and he's 21 years old. He fought Diego Magdaleno, who's a former world champion, who was thought to give him a test. And that fight wasn't even close. The fight should have been stopped before the seventh round even started. Oh, yeah. The corner, the corner failed. The, I mean, the corner <laughs> failed miserably. Like, you know your fighter. Diego Magdaleno's never been a knockout puncher. Never. I've been yeah. watching, like, Magdaleno's a kid from Vegas who I watched throughout his career. Never had heavy hands. He had a couple of knockouts. And people were like, oh, shit, he, he, he learned power. No, he didn't. He never yeah. did. It was like so volume. Yeah, when you're in a fight against a guy like Lopez, who's pretty much running over you and your family in a fight, and you get into the sixth round, and you're like, okay, he's going to get hurt. Like, as a cornerman, you should say, okay, I know my fighter doesn't have the power to stop this kid. I know it. Save him for another day. You damn near ruined his career by allowing him to come out there, and he two massive left hooks. Like, they were those left hooks that Lopez threw were brutal. But Highlight like, reel, though. Looked yeah. amazing. We're already in. We're already in knockout of the year contention again. Like I mean, Lopez did it against Mason Menard on the undercard of the Lomachenko fight, and flatlined him with the left hook. And then he did it to Magdaleno. And he's gonna fight. Uh, I believe he'll be the co-main event of Con and Crawford um, on pay per view. Like, look, guys, if you don't if you don't believe in, in Tiafimo Lopez, I don't know what's wrong with you. The future of boxing is mighty, mighty bright right now. Oh, incredible. And I, and that's not, that's not just Lopez. It's Tank Davis who fights on Saturday. It's Devin Haney. It's Ryan Garcia. Shakur it's Stevenson. Shakur Stevenson. Jaime Munguia. Like, these are under 25 guys. And, and not all of them are going to pan out, right? Somebody's going to lose. It, it's never like when Devin Alexander, Timothy Bradley, and those guys were all coming up, you know, somebody's going to lose. Somebody's not going to pan out. 
but it's an exciting time. And what you just mentioned, 135 pounds, like 130, 135 pounds is very interesting. Tank Davis just barely made weight again today, which, dude, he's going to have to move up. But these that, that division is stacked with so much young talent. And then who's sitting on top? Vasily Lomachenko. Yep. The, the elder statesman. Man, it's the who. This is an interesting division, man. It, it, this is one division that's that's very interesting. I hear and, this kid's name tossed around too, Carlos Balderas. Yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty good too. Like a I Mexican mean, fighter, right? Like Alberto Machado fights on the zone tomorrow night, um, and Machado is another top prospect who gave Jerron Ennis the blues in the last fight. You got Regis Pagrias. This is between one thirty and one forty. I mean, dude, Javante. Mikey was, might never come back. No, Mikey I'm, had his run. He's like, I'm I out mean, of here. That's what I'm saying. You look at like 130 right now. Just Conlon real, is here. I forgot about Conlon. Yeah, Conlon's on the come up. I mean, 130 has Burchell, Davis, Tevin Farmers, title holder, Machado, uh, Francisco Vargas, who maybe a little bit longer than two. 35, you've got Lopez. You've got Lomachenko, Mikey Garcia, Richard Kami, who just won a title, who probably won't get the title fight because he hurt his knuckle. Um, Luke Campbell, who's hanging around, uh, Jose Pedraza, like these, Devin Haney. And then you go to 140, which, I mean, this is all 10 pounds, man. Regis Pagrias, Josh Taylor, Jose Ramirez, who fights on Sunday, Mo Hooker, who just won a title in, in a, in a, I think he fights in, in a few weeks. Dude, this is a good time. I forgot Felix Villejo was fighting. No, fuck him. Um, he just got passed. <laughs> like, yo, it happens quick. Yeah, and, and just think, guys like Lopez, Haney, Tank, they're eventually going to get to 147. They're big guys. Haney, like, definitely. Like, they're all, like, Haney's 19. Lopez has just turned 21. Lopez, if I, I looked at his dad, he's like, yeah, I'll probably end up at middleweight. Like, Damn. You know what I'm saying? Like, Broner, like, when you're young, you can cut the weight, but it, it's, it's a bright future, man. But, yeah, bottom line, Tiafimo Lopez, entertaining as hell, heavy hands. Great personality. That kid is a stud. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. So we talked about Tank. I think Tank wins. I would have loved to see him against Mares, but, you know, injuries happen. Mares' I mean, injury looked ugly. You know, Tank kind of laughed at him for a second, but Mares put out the video. Tank said, no, nah, I wish you nothing but the best. You know, health comes first, family comes first. Hopefully you mix it up. So that's a fight I still want to see down the road. Yeah, I, I just we don't know if Abner Mars is going to fight again. A detached retina yeah, on the that other was rock? Ugly. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good, man. So, yeah, but yeah, Tank versus Hugo Reese. I mean, poor Hugo. You, you just fight. You're moving up in weight to fight a guy who's on short notice. It's, yeah. It's going to be rough. It's, it's the, worst, the worst version of the perfect storm. Yeah, indeed. Um, all right, pro wrestling. AEW came to Vegas yesterday. Yes. Um, I was going to go there and meet you. I text you, like, yo, I'm going there. Came home after work. I was like, oh, I got an hour and a half. Let me take a nap real quick. Didn't wake up until that shit started. So I lived vicariously through you and Big Mac, Ryan McKinnell, who were right there while everyone walked out. And you know what? It was kind of cold last night. <laughs> so I didn't mind watching from the comfort of my home. Yeah, it was freezing. It was, it was really cold. Yeah. That was disrespectful. So, so I was like, all right, cool. But a couple more rollouts. We get more announcements, so it's official that the Lucha Bros will be there at All In. Um, it looks like they're not giving up their their other contracts, which they shouldn't. No, I mean, 
uh, like I talked to Cody afterwards, and it's partnership. They got a partnership with AAA, which explains why the Lucha Bros are, gonna, are there. Um, Sammy Guevara, who, if people seen Sammy fight on, on PWG, is a special talent, is a AAA guy. So now, you know, they got a partnership with AAA and uh, OWE, and so now, you know, and OWE open, does some wild shit too. They do, which is in and the OWE guys are, are gonna have a match with SoCal and Censor, which will probably be That's dope. insane. Because we saw those clips, they were doing like the real Japanese kung fu shit. Yeah, like so real style like, kung fu. It's some legit shit. So yeah, I mean the Lucha Bros signing and being a part of AEW is huge, and and the fact that we're going to, I mean, look, man, just go ahead and throw all the stars at this match now, like Pentagon and Phoenix versus the Young Bucks. Oh yeah, a double or nothing. And I'll probably end up being the main event. Probably. Could be Jericho and Omega, which was also announced. And we'll talk about the big, the big, the worst kept secret in pro wrestling of <laughs> Omega signing with AEW. But, yep, the vice pres. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dog, there was no way they were, this company was moving without him. I knew it. I couldn't say anything, but it was like, I just liked watching people speculate. He's coming out the Rumble. No, he's no. on the country in New Japan. He had to wait for that to burn out. And on top of that, well, I guess we'll talk about it now. Kenny Omega, is, he's, yes, he signed with AEW, but the door's not closed with New Japan, which is why he didn't get a proper send-off. Everybody who leaves New Japan gets a proper send-off. Yep. The door's not completely closed on Omega yet, people. He signed a, he, he's got a four-year deal with, with AEW. What it exactly entails, I don't know. I don't care. But we could see Omega back in New Japan. And I think it makes a whole lot of sense. To help AEW until they, you know, firmly plant themselves into a TV deal or whatever they're going to do for 2019, to have some of their talent appear in New Japan in the Ring of Honor. Yeah, Makes I sense. mean, it's not bad. It's a good partnership to have. You don't have to be dependent on them. Like I think ROH went into it like, yo, we're going to have a partnership, but then they became dependent on that talent. Yeah, I, I don't think they have to go that far. I really like their roster and the people that have been announced. I mean, and that's the other thing, you know, people from the beginning was like, well, what was it going to be? Like, Bullet Club, I mean, the elite just fighting each other? No, it's not. There's a ton of talent out there. And they went out and got them. Yeah, some talent that is hungry to get a big break, which is what I like. Yeah, I mean, you got, you know, MGF, the young kid, who seems like he's dynamite on the mic. I mean, the kid's like 24. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, you have the Lucha Bros, you have the partnership. I mean, Jericho's there to be your elder statesman and your big draw. Uh, I mean, like you got Sammy Guevara, you have uh, uh, who else you have? Pac as a top heel. Oh, Jesus, Pac versus Hangman Page. <laughs> That's gonna be one hell of a match. I mean, look, people complaining about the, the roster and what's going to happen, and it's just like, relax, man, let these things shake out. Yeah. Like, I know people want to go over the moon and say, like, this is going to be, you know, either it's too much hype or it's, it's too big and it can't compete with WWE. Like, look, just fucking relax. Give it some time. Uh, Jungle Boy is supposed to be dope, by the way. Yeah, Jungle Boy is actually pretty dope. Um, I mean... Damn, Trent, Chucky T. I mean, you got Joey Janela. I mean... Who's going to have... You know what? Him versus um, Jimmy Havoc is going to be a really good feud, I think. I mean, it's it's funny. It's entertaining. It's, it's going to be a circus. And Double or Nothing, it's just... It's going to be a great show. Yeah. Like, like for all intents and purposes, like you look at these matches on paper and you're like, well, how, this is not the WWE. It's not like, well, how can they fuck this up? Like you know that they, they, the point is that they're gonna focus on wrestling. Also, I thought it was interesting. I talked to Cody yesterday and he said that there's this heavy emphasis on sports. And you know, somebody's like, well, what do you mean? 
And he was like, well, we want it to be where wins and losses matter. And there's a ranking system that matters. And we, we want to be heavily into statistics. Like this wrestler has kicked out of this finishing move or this wrestler gets a win percentage when he lands this move. Like they want to be very, very invested into the sport and create it, like, make the wrestling a sport rather than sports entertainment. Yeah. On one hand, I'm like, that's great. On the other hand, I'm curious, well, how does this work with storylines and narrative? Because people still like a good story. So, But the stats, the stats could protect people who can't tell the best of stories, well, which is why I, I think, like it. I think like TNA tried that once upon a time, like a ranking system. And then you remember like the WWE for, uh, for like two weeks tried yeah. like a ranking system. Yeah, that should mean nothing. No, and it doesn't. But I think if you're not doing weekly television, I think there's a way to make it work. And... I think it could be cool to have true number one contenders who have worked their way up the ladder and beat the right people and did the right things. Um, so it's it's interesting how this is all going to play out. Um, I, I'm I, like again, double or nothing. I think like the site crashed when they announced tickets and they said there was already ten thousand requests for tickets. And I got that from like a source inside AEW. They weren't bullshitting me. It was like the site crashed. Yeah, and ten thousand requests and people that signed up for to get those presale tickets. MGM Grand holds eleven thousand four hundred. They may sell that shit out quickly. First day, I think. Yeah, I don't know if they'll sell it out first day. Eleven thousand four hundred people. They sold out Chicago first day, right? That shit was like three yeah, hours. It's not as big. It's not as big as the MGM. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I w- put it like this. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I just don't expect them to sell on the first day. I think they'll, you know, I think they'll do like nine thousand on yeah. the first day. I think the the buzz um, is still the buzz is still so big, and then you got to do like you know the stub hubs, all that shit. It's gonna sell out. Like they I, they're gonna buy up all the seats. And and the, and the smart thing, we're all in. If I remember correctly, all in didn't really announce anything in terms of matches. Like I think we got Kenny Omega and Pentagon, and like nobody knew it until like like a week before or something. Yeah, like, they announced it maybe like two weeks before. That was it. This, on the other hand, is being announced now. Like, I saw people shit all over. Oh, Jericho and Kenny Omega again. Did you not enjoy that Wrestle Kingdom match? I thought it was cool. I, it would be nice to see it in person, I'll tell you that. Um, like, you know, selfishly, I want Kenny, like, Pentagon. Kenny versus Pa, blah, blah. But there's time. Right? No, there's, there's time. time. This, is, like, dude, this is the one-off. Like, let's give people impression. And they know Jericho. And exactly. now they have to know Omega on that level. So I understand like, come on, guys. Like, uh, if you're upset about Omega and Jericho, like, first of all, the match didn't happen this January. It happened last January. Yeah. Right? And the last time we saw Jericho at All In, who he jumped Kenny Omega. So this makes sense for them to have a rematch. It wasn't like the match sucked. The match was good. Really good. So for them to do it again on a, on a bigger stage, per se, in, in, in America... I, I'm here for it. Like, I couldn't see Jericho necessarily being massive with it. Like, look, I don't want to see Jericho versus Cody, right? Not on the first goddamn show. Not yet. No. You know what I, I'm saying? But who does Cody even wrestle? I was thinking this. I, I was like, him, I, I love I that, like, Cody's, like, putting everything together. Because, again, Cody, a businessman, is not bad. I just don't think his entering is very good. But Cody, a businessman, is cool to see him. He's doing great things. But to me, he's, like, the guy who's putting everything together. There's an episode of The League that's like this. And Andre makes him do, like, the fantasy draft. And he hosted at his crib, and he puts everything together, and he forgets to he forgets to make picks for his team, and they get like nine rounds deep. That's how I feel. Cody is going. He's like, "Yo, I want to see this person for this person, this." this. But Cody, who's left for you? He doesn't. Don't. When I asked him, because I was like, Cody, I was like, 
you know, it looks like we got Lucha Bros versus Young Bucks. We have Pac and Hangman. We got Kenny versus Jericho. Only person in the elite who doesn't have a match is you. And he was like, I don't, he was like, yeah. You know, I could tell he was still playing character, but then he was kind of like, you know, I thought about it, maybe I just want to keep the headset on. Like, this is, this is my company. Yeah. And I was like, when he said that, I was like, he kind of, he gets what he's doing, uh-huh. right? Like he could wrestle, but it won't be a, a high-profile match. No. It'll be a high-profile match because people will make it a high-profile match, but it won't be the main event. Like, Cody knows what he's doing. Yeah. He, he knows where he's at. I don't think so, he ever was going to put himself in the main event, like, off road. No. And then, you know, people are like, oh, man, the elite are going to hold all the titles. They're not, gonna, they're not stupid. No, they're not like, dumb. They're not going to go out there and just hold all whatever titles they're going to have. I mean, they're, they're over. They're not going to bury the other talent. They're going to put yeah. the other talent over. Like, you need to see MJ, Maxwell Jacob Friedman come up. You need to see Sammy Guevara. You need to see Pac. Pac looks like he's going to be one of the big heels. They need to find, like, a super monster heel. Like, obviously, Jericho is, like, your, your big draw as a heel. But, they, they, dude, the shit is in May after WrestleMania. Like, I had to keep putting that in perspective. It's a month after WrestleMania. A it's month the perfect and a time, too, because that's always, like, the dead time for the WWE. Yeah, it's like, well, it's not. Yeah, I mean, Before, I guess, like, between Mania and Money in the Bank, it's kind of shitty. I, th- I think the worst time in WWE, I say this every year, is, like, the time between, um, in, from September to the Royal Rumble is really bad. Well, Survivor Series wasn't bad this year. I mean, this year, but... For the most part, there's not a whole lot of progression yeah. in the story. Fortunately, they struck gold with Becky Lynch. But exactly. otherwise, so... It was supposed to be Becky versus Ronda at Survivor Series. We got the whole, you know, Becky bleeding, nose broken shit. It had a nice little run this year. The other one, we get another Saudi Arabia show where they redo WrestleMania a week later and then nothing. I mean, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a good time. It's Memorial Day weekend. It's Las Vegas. It's a big show for a new company. This is this is working out just fine for them. Yeah, I, this I'm, is good. As long as people know, just chill with the, oh my God, they're going to kill WWE. It's the end of WWE. All this, chill. It's two different types of product. It's two different yeah. things. You know, let, let them kill ROH, Impact, all this stuff first. Let, let's see that happen. Let, let's just let them be them first. I mean, it's, it's not going to crush WWE. If anyone watched Halftime Heat, WWE is fine. That a 30-year-old, a 24-year-old, a 23-year-old, like, they're good. I think everyone besides Chapo is like 31 and under. They, I, they, I, they got young kids. I don't understand why people just don't like having an alternative. Like, I, I, I will never stop watching the WWE. No matter how good or bad it is, I'm always going to watch it. I don't want anything to kill the WWE. That's stupid. I like competition. But I like but more importantly, I like alternatives. Like if I if I don't like this wrestling, I watch this wrestling. Like if New Japan isn't having a hot month, maybe I'll watch Ring of Honor. Which Ring of Honor has made a lot of great signings and I feel like they're gonna get their feet back under them. I don't know if they'll be what they were. I don't know if they're gonna be what they were two years ago, but right now they're making like I like alternatives. Like when I wasn't too happy with the WWE and TNA was coming up, I was watching TNA. I never wanted TNA to kill the WWE. I just wanted TNA to be more re- be relevant. That's yeah. all. Like I want AEW to be my alternative. I don't want them to be like the WWE. I don't even necessarily need the Monday Night Wars. I just want to have options. I just yeah, I just want it to be fun. I watch 205 Live every week. Like I'm okay with alternate forms of wrestling television. 
If I got to fit in AEW once every three months, hell yeah, I'm, I'm down. I want them to succeed. And then next year, if they have a weekly television show, it'll be, what, a one-hour show? Two-hour show max once a week? On a right. Tuesday? Yeah, I'm fine. Like, yeah, I could fit that in. I'll watch it. No problem. So, yeah, no, I'm, they're not... The WWE is so big at this point that people just need to get that out of their head. It's like Apple. Like, no, you don't, no one's going to come in and just compete and their goal is to kill Apple. Your goal is to come in and just do something else different. It, it's okay to be a Samsung. Like, at this point, you'll be like, cool, man. Let them do their thing. It's two different lanes. It's fine. And people are just pushing so far. They don't need every... You know, off shoot, off cast WWE person. No. How about don't. you don't make it into WWE? You take your ass back to the Indies, Indies, and then earn your way into AEW. Not just oh, we're giving you a contract because you were there. No nah, man, it's got it's got to make sense. And I, Brandy had also said that because she was like, you know, we're just, we don't just want to sign a bunch of WWE people. We want to fight sign people that make sense. Yeah. Like, where do you fit in the company? Like. Every and it's it's one of those things where the WWE roster is so loaded, there's got to be a bottom. There's gonna have to be guys that don't win all the time. So if you just sign a bunch of WWE guys, I'm sure somebody like Ryback would show up and be like, "I need to be champion." Yeah, no. you can't have that. No. You got to know your role. Know but your you role. got a guy like Janela, perfect. I don't care if Janela ever wins a match; he's still gonna be funny and entertaining. Like, and that's and that's all you want, man. You, like you want, we just want good wrestling. So. All the people out there crapping all over AEW is like, relax. Just don't watch it. Yeah. It's not that hard. Crapping over it or overhyping it. We, I have only seen two responses. It's okay to just wait and see. It's okay to have a middle ground. But yeah, like L and the people who are just all WWE everything, we know who they are. That shit's annoying. Very. So yeah, we'll see how this plays out. Um, not much movement in WWE this week, so we'll talk about it next week and how everything else is going. Right. Well, I will, I will, I'm curious. I will say this. The fuck are they doing with Oscar? I, I don't know, Dre. They got two pay-per-views. They got two, two pay-per-views to set something up before Mania. You look at that SmackDown roster, and if it's not Charlotte, who is it? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really all you got. I, my, my second option, which you didn't like at all, which I said uh, I think might have been earlier in the week, was Carmella. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Because she did beat Carmella. Yeah, I don't care though. She she won. She beat Carmella. I mean, Carmella beat her by crook, and that's like a fast lane match or something else. It's not a WrestleMania match. Yeah, I guess. Just asking. She won. She won the title, and it was like two weeks. I mean, it'll, it'll be pre-show. If she's not going against Charlotte, it'll be pre-show. And that's whack. That's that's what it is now. Because again, it's all about Ronda, and then now about Bay, and they don't leave Charlotte on the cold. So if it's a triple threat, then nah. Now if they want, don't want to leave Charlotte out in the cold because they they love Charlotte, she's the darling. Then you know what? Then they'll do Charlotte Oscar to just give her a main card match and see the and entrance look, and everything. Uh, like they should do Charlotte and Oscar. I don't think I, I don't want to see Charlotte involved in the no, Becky match. Run it back. I don't, like Charlotte can get involved some other way, but right now Charlotte and Oscar need to have a rematch because it seems like Oscar's back to heating up again since losing to Charlotte last year. Mm-hmm. Charlotte needs something to do with it that doesn't involve herself being involved with Becky and Ronda. Charlotte can get Ronda at another date. Like I know I agree. we're gonna get a horse woman versus horsewoman thing. 
Yeah, like I know people are all like, well, Ronda's leaving after WrestleMania. She's not leaving. She says she's, you know, there's 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 other ways to still get to Charlotte versus Ronda. I just yeah. I don't need it crammed into my WrestleMania match right now. Like, just go ahead and give me Becky and Ronda in the main event and give me Charlotte and Asuka for the title. And put Asuka over, please. Charlotte doesn't even need to win anymore. I mean, that's been the case for a while, but yet she still wins. Big pay-per-view? Damn near guarantee. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I wouldn't mind Asuka, you know, running back and finally getting the win. They would have one hell of a match last year. If anything, it might have been my favorite match of the night. Well, whatever. So, it, watch it again. It was a very good match um, at WrestleMania last year. So, like I said, we'll talk about WWE next week. Now, <clears throat> it's time for you guys to hear an interview with, uh, once again, I can't talk the guy up enough, Josiah Williams, Wrestling Flow on Twitter. You guys have probably seen his music videos. They drop every week where he just jumps on a new beat from a different pro wrestler, whether it's indies, you know, New Japan, ROH, WWE, NXT. And he explains how he picks out these songs and how he does what he does and what led to his inspiration. So he was grateful enough to sit down with us. Take a listen. Here's our interview with Josiah Williams. All right, everybody. So special, special guest on the Corner Podcast this week, Josiah Williams. If you guys don't know who that is, one, you've been living under a rock. But two, we've talked about him a lot on the podcast. He does wrestle and flow. So every week he drops a new track where he spits over some of the best pro wrestling theme songs out indies, WWE, NXT, whatever it is, man. Whatever he gets his hands on, he just murders it every every single week. Josiah, man, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate this. Man, no, thank you for having me. This is this is awesome. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, man. The the listeners we have are so interested in your story and how you even began just deciding, like, you know what? I, I want to put my rhymes to these wrestling beats. Um, first off, let, let's take it all the way back, though. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. When did you become a wrestling fan? Um, Man, I want to say when I was in middle school. Um, so for me, that's, you know, 2000 and 2003, four. Um, so around that time, you know, I'm watching guys like uh, Eddie Guerrero, I'm watching Rey Mysterio, Batista, John Cena, Undertaker, JBL, kind of like that era. Um, and it was, a, it was a good time to be a wrestling fan, man. It was, for me, unfortunately, kind of after, you know, the big Attitude era. Um, so I missed out on The Rock. I missed out on the debut of Kane. I missed out on Stone Cold. You know, a lot of that that people kind of look at and see as the prime time of wrestling, I kind of missed out on. Um, but that was me, man. I was a, I was a huge Batista fan, huge uh, Eddie Guerrero fan at the time. That's just, that what made, that's what made me fall in love with wrestling. Nah, man, it, it's cool. So you're not a jaded wrestling fan. <laughs> so that's, that's that's even better. Um, no, a lot of people do. They they just it, it's a ton of nostalgia, right? So yeah. if you go back, people do. They they just they say they love that aspect of it. You know the the Shawn Michaels, the Bret Hart's. That's what I grew up on, and, and it yeah. was great. Mm-hmm. But wrestling now to me is getting that feel back, um, and it, it's so so dope. 
to know that you're just another voice and another person to make it cool. Because that, that's yeah. one thing that we're seeing. It's like, it's becoming pop culture again. Oh, yeah. Oh, we, yeah. Because you have, see it everywhere. Yeah, man. We have Wale and, and all of these guys. We have LeBron winning championships and rocking Undertaker t-shirts. Right, right. And, <laughs> and, and you know, just everyone has the belts now. And it, it's, it's so dope. And, and your voice goes a long way towards that. When did you start rhyming? Um, so in high school, I um, always did poetry. Uh, tried a little hip-hop lyrics. It wasn't, you know... I mean, it was fun at home, but I didn't really do much of it anywhere else. Um, so when I went to college, you know, I got a computer, started really playing around with making beats, uh, playing around with doing mixtapes, so taking other people's songs and um, kind of throwing my thing on it. And it worked for a while, started, you know, picking up a little steam, getting some gigs, doing some shows, and um, eventually switched. So I was always kind of like the, the classic hip-hop feel, and then I switched over to Christian hip-hop for, um, I would say starting in like 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's been my primary focus. Um, I still love all hip-hop, still listen to a lot of hip-hop. Um, but yeah, I'd say for about nine years now, I've been rapping. So what's crazy is um, one of my my good friends, he's into Christian hip hop, right? And probably I'd say like four or five years ago, he's like, yo, you you really got to listen to this. And I was, (laughs) and I'm from New York. Like, you know, I I grew up during the nineties, like gangster rap was huge. Right, right. Like I I grew up listening to like DMX. That's as close I've gotten to like Christian hip hop, right? Like DMX, (laughs) like having an interlude, where he's reciting yeah. scripture is about as close as I've gotten in my lifetime. <laughs> so I was like, all right, you know what? Like, dope. Like, I'll, I'll hear it out. And then uh, even for a while, I was like, nah, yo, I don't want to listen to that. Like, whatever, cool. Like, you can have that. And then I think one year on the BT Hip Hop Awards, in one of their ciphers, they had this Christian rap dude on there. And yeah. he was just so dope. And I was like, you know what? All right, I'll give it a listen. And it really opened my eyes to like, yo, you know what? This is... When you're an MC, you're an MC. So like right, subject right. matter is is important, but it's also sometimes secondary to the technique. It's a lot like wrestling, I think. You know, like everyone's not a high flyer. Everyone's not Eddie Guerrero. Right. Like, sometimes, right. like you know, Christian rap is like my Dean Malenko of wrestling. Like you know, <laughs> like you know, what? it's just real technical. That's that's cool. Like, yeah, I like, think people kind of think, you know, that Christian hip hop, first of all, <laughs> I think people assume that it's kind of this, you know, man, it just it's just Bible the whole time of like, man, I'm not trying to hear the Bible over a beat. I mean, you know, of course, there are elements of that, but it's so much more, you know, and there are artists that will give you the same edge, that same grit. If you're listening to, you know, whoever, whether J. Cole, you know, it's the same kind of thing of there are artists who give that. But the message is different, you know. Um, but like you said, if you can spit, you can spit. It is what it is. As someone in, you know, the, the genre of Christian hip hop, um, obviously you branch out, you you do other things. But when you see stuff like even we'll go back to I think two years ago, we had like we have our end of the year awards all the time. Okay. And uh, our album of the year was Chance the Rapper. <laughs> yeah. And... You know, I feel like Chance, with this latest project, um, 
he always kind of has themes to his albums. This latest one had a mm-hmm. huge gospel influence. And it had yeah. that, and, and it caught fire and it went mainstream. As someone in an industry that's kind of geared towards that, what do you think about when you see these things? You see like an artist like Chance win three Grammys off of something <laughs> that you probably hear all the time. Like, yo, this ain't new. Like, yeah, yeah. It's cool, man. I think, you know, anytime that somebody can use their platform to showcase that, I mean, you know, and be unashamed about it, that's amazing. Um, I think, you know, there are a lot of people who probably have never been inside of a church, probably have never heard what following Jesus means, you know, all that type of stuff. So for somebody to at least open up their ears to that um, is is a big deal. And I think especially if you're doing it in a way that that's genuine and authentic. Um, and of course, you know, Chance kind of floats in between. So it's not like he doesn't follow it 100 percent. It's like I am a Christian hip hop artist, but he's definitely influenced. Um, and I think that's dope. That's great. So now we know why you started rhyming, when you started rhyming. We mm-hmm. know when you became a wrestling fan. What clicked that said, you know what? I want to do these two things together. I want to rap about wrestling. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you start to see, okay, there are a lot of rappers in the world. There are a lot of musicians. There are a lot of singers, whatever it is. You got to find that one thing that that makes you stand out, that makes people want to tune in, not just listen to a song because they see it. But like, man, I want to come back week after week, you know, play this song whenever. Um, A lot of so first of all, this is an idea that I've had for a very long time that I finally just decided, man, you ain't got just do it. What are you waiting for? (laughs) Like, I think I was kind of waiting for the right opportunity, the right moment. I don't know what it was, but, um, you know, a big part of wrestling is the music. Like, the music speaks for the wrestler before they say or do anything. Um, And that was always huge to me. So if I can combine the love of something that I watch multiple times a week, different shows, with something that I do outside of watching that, which is, you know, hip-hop and rapping and performing, you know, there has to be a way to blend it together. Um, so Wrestling Flow started in August of 2018, um, which hasn't even been a year yet, which is crazy. Um, but, you know, it's an idea that I've had for years and I'm just finally glad, or I'm glad that I finally, you know, took that step to say, let's make this happen. And like you said, just in August, but I feel like I probably started listening like your third track in. Like it, it was that it was that quick. People, it, it showed up on my timeline instantly. And wrestling is such a small community in the grand scheme right, uh, of right. life, right? Like it's such so tight knit. I, I just went to Royal Rumble. I, I see people I know walking the streets. Like we went to a Royal Rumble after party. Like, yo, you're Kel from the corner. I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? And That's then, dope. Yeah, and then you look at like us wrestling fans who are you know minorities women black spanish all this like we have our own sub community inside Mm -hmm. of that um like wrestle rap culture and everything like there's there's these people who like both and we've seen that like okay we have a pretty cool niche going uh yeah i just saw flatbush zombie show their entire concert was inside a wrestling ring and, and <laughs> That's people, dope. Yeah, people were around like you wouldn't know if it was you know Monday Night Raw or any like they did their entire concert inside of a wrestling ring. Uh, and ASAP Rocky just did that last week too for the ASAP Yans benefit. 
So yeah. it's, it's branching out. It's growing. You had this subdivision. What one? What made you choose your first track? What was your first track? And then what made you say, you know what? This is the one I need to hop on right now. Um. So I had a list of about... Originally, Wrestling Flow was going to be um, like little video mixtapes mm-hmm. um so i was gonna do like seven at a time and then maybe a half a year later do seven more um so on my original list i had uh aj styles the usos carmella uh undisputed era gorillas of destiny and somebody else so i had these like <laughs> tracks laid out um and the first one that i ever recorded was to aj styles which i liked what I did but I haven't ever released it because I just I feel like I can do it a lot better um but at the time I was just really big on AJ Styles and his story and just seeing how he came in as an you know an outsider quote-unquote to WWE but so many people already knew who he was which is why he got the reaction that he got at the Royal Rumble in what 2016 or something yeah um but I kind of wanted to tell that story. Um, I tried it. I was like, okay, this, is, this isn't really where I want to go. And then I watched uh, NXT one night and just saw Adam Cole come out. And I'm like, oh, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one. Like, I, this, I don't know what it is about Adam Cole. I mean, I do know what it is. He has, he has the complete package. You know, he's a guy that, you know, as soon as the music hits, you're excited. Um, when you see him, he just has that cool look. Um, the moveset is there, the charisma is there. It was just like, that's the one that I really want to tell. Um, and I guess the bonus of it, the benefit is, you know, he's not the only one. There are three other guys that match that same intensity. Um, so hearing the Undisputed Era theme just made me want to tell that entire story. Yeah, man. So I'm looking through some of the tracks. Like you said, Undisputed Era was number one. Um, mm-hmm. Finn Balor was the third one. That's when I heard first. Yeah, and I was just like, "Yo, this is incredible, dude!" Thank you, man, um, that was for sure. <laughs> and, and that's that's what sets it apart, right? Like, it's just not spitting over these tracks. That's kind mm-hmm. of been done. Like, you you tell the story, you incorporate so many personal aspects of these wrestlers and of their characters. Whether you know the Finn Balor one, where you take it back to like Prince Devitt. Yeah, and New yeah. Japan and, and tell an entire story of becoming NXT champion and where he is now. And in a minute and a half, you tell <laughs> these things over the beat. Like, what made you say, like, okay, you know what? I, I have to bring more than that. Is that like a Christian rap background? Because I, I feel like, you know what? In Christian rap, from what I've heard and the stuff that I thought was super dope, it's when people intertwine these stories. They, yeah. they tell... Like, okay, cool, like, everyone can spit a Bible verse or mention a Bible verse. But they'll inter- intertwine, like, no, this is, you know, the ills of the streets. Here's, here's the Bible verse that follows the exact same thing and the narrative right, and right. tell you about it. And then your mind is just going everywhere, like, yo, this is so dope. And, and you do that for wrestling. You're just like, no, this is their whole story. You paint the whole picture. This is how the crowd <laughs> feels. And it, is that kind of what brought you to, like, okay, you know what? I got to take this to a whole different level. I think there's there's two kind of sides of it. So the I mean, going off of what you're saying, yes, I mean, in Christian hip hop and in my style of rap that I've always done is, you know, it's storytelling, it's reflective storytelling, it's taking life situations and kind of telling it to people about what's going on. That's always been my style. 
Um, and the biggest thing, though, so I've always been a theater student. When I, you know, I grew up in Milwaukee, and I went to schools where we did, you know, music and drama and dance and all the arts. Um, I came to college for theater, so like this has been a part of my life, my literally my entire life. Um, but when you're an actor, like you're you're becoming a character, you're telling a story, and that's exactly what wrestling is, you know. If anybody you name, the first person that come or the first people that come to my mind right now, the Usos, right? So they come in, people are excited, people are like, man, these guys are talented. And after a while, it's like, okay, well, what's next? What's what's in your journey? Like, what are you gonna do? Um, the crowd starts to react differently. They realize we got to step it up. Yeah. Um, and just being able to see that, I think that's why I watch wrestling the way that I do because. The first time you see Randy Orton in 2000 and whatever, you're like, oh, I'm going to watch him for the rest of his career. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to see. And that's just what it is for me. Um, so, yeah, I think I think wrestling is is theatrical. And that's why I love it so much, because of, of a theater mindset. Man, you, you're telling a story. Um, that's what they do. And you just don't pick WWE wrestlers, though. That's what that's what really started to tell me like yo this kid knows one he knows pro wrestling above <laughs> just being you know like a, a fan or someone who wants to rhyme or listen to be honest it's 2018 like there are people who are culture vultures you know we, we just <laughs> right, right. we just saw a 21 savage like he, he faked an entire career it seems like the guy's from britain like we, <laughs> he's about to get deported like then everyone thought he was just like a oh, hustler from atlanta like there's right. there's right. culture vultures everywhere, um, man. We talk about about Takashi all the time. So there, <laughs> there's these type of people who you know can create a character and all this stuff, and it's like, all right, cool. In, in wrestling circles, it's not the coolest thing to just be a WWE mark, right? Like I feel right. like all right. the cool kids are like I watch New Japan all the time, or you know I remember Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson from ROH, and they'll only call him Bryan Danielson. Like so, right, right. You know there's there's those people so but you follow the indie like you chose the gorillas of destiny yeah uh, i that's a statement that i wanted to make right away um of you know you start out with nxt for wrestling flow i started out with the undisputed era uh, as my first ever video and that second video i'm like okay i want i want it to be something that's different and i really want to catch people's attention with it um, and, you know, by far the, the product that I watch the most is WWE. I mean, you know, within NXT, NXT UK, mm-hmm. uh, Raw and SmackDown, like I watch that the most, but I'm still attracted to so many different products because of the characters and because of the storytelling. Um, and not to mention that they were guys of color and not to mention that their song is dope. <laughs> like, so that was that was very intentional of like i want people to know that this this isn't just going to be uh you know me remixing wwe tracks um i mean if it gets to the point where they want to throw some you know funds my way i would absolutely do that but (laughs) nothing wrong with that right right um but i wanted people to see that and you know i'm very upfront and honest with people like you know people ask for uh, a nido remix and I would love to do that. I think I'm at a point now where I don't know enough, so I don't pretend to know everything, right? Yeah. Um, but that's a part of it, though. I get to I get to research these characters, and I get to kind of like you know tailor it 
in a way that people will really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I, I like I said, I enjoy looking outside of WWE and kind of involving everyone. Yeah, that that's so dope. What are? It's tough. Got to put you on the hot seat. Okay. What, okay. So far, what are your top three songs you've done? Oh, Wrestling floor. Because yeah. I I already got my top. And just looking through, like I already know the Marty Skrull joint was one of my favorites. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm just yeah. a huge villain fan, right? Like so so when I heard that and I love the 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 whoop whoop, like I, I love everything about the song. I, I loved when he came out with that. And then when you flipped it, I was like, oh, this this is incredible. Man, dude, thank you. Um Okay, this is I don't even know. Okay. I will say Marty Scroll is one, just because that was although it was a challenge, I felt like I felt really, really comfortable with the the product afterwards because I also do all the video editing myself too. So kind of like picking the right clips to to match what I was saying. Yeah. Um, when I watched it afterwards, I'm like, man, I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty proud of this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I really enjoyed that. Um, uh, Velveteen Dream was one that you know the first time you hear that song, you're like. I'll speak for myself. The first time I heard it, I'm like, man, I, I really want to do that. And I have to find a way to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I sat on that idea for about two months. And one, I don't remember even what the first line was, but I wrote it down. And within like, you know, a half hour, the song was written. It was just, there was just that one thing that as soon as I got it, I was ready for it. Um, but being able to kind of like, there's a guy named Omar Holman. And he wrote an article and he said, man, this this wrestling flow guy is doing like uh, cosplay in a way. And I never really thought of it like that um, because it's telling a story while also, you know, incorporating the visuals. But I think Velveteen Dreams theme song really allowed me to expand and be creative and do so much more. Um, and then I'll say I'll say, oh, man, there's a couple that come to mind. So I'll say four. I'm sorry. Instead of three. Um, the evolution track that I did, I think is the one that I'm most, that I, that I get most emotional about, mm-hmm. um, just because it, it felt so genuine to write it. And when I hear the beat that I chose for that, it's like, man, there, there was not a more perfect beat to tell this story, man. Like I just loved it. Um, and then the last one would be Samoa Joe just because I know that I'm not, you know, some lyrical powerhouse that, you know, most people see as like a competitive. Like I'm not a I'm not a biggie, you know. Yeah. When you listen to Biggie, he comes correct on every line. <laughs> like every single line. And I'm not that, you know, I'm just a guy who likes to to write. But I feel like after I listen to the Samoa Joe track, I'm like, man, I I really I stepped it up for that one. Um and I knew that I had to. Like, you can't release a remix over Samoa Joe's theme song and come whack. <laughs> you gotta be prepared. Um, so no, yeah, those that, are that one's in my top three. So it's the villain Samoa Joe and Dear Kenny, which ah. the the concept. Like one, I was like, yo, this is as a wrestling fan the closest thing I'll ever get to Eminem's stand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, just to have a concept within the concept. 
as mind-boggling as it is. Like, so you, you took one of my favorite, and I think most people's favorites, like storytelling hip hop tracks and stand and, and applied it to a wrestler and Kenny Omega. And it just, it was perfect. It was Man. one of those things that was just perfect. And I was like, yo, this kid's, he's on a different level. Dude, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I, I forgot about that one. That's, that's somewhere close to the top too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Kenny Omega, I feel like it was a time where, you know, of course we don't know these guys, right? As much as we watch WWE, as much as we watch New Japan, whatever it is, and as much as we like to think, oh man, he's going to go here, go there. Like, man, we don't know what this man is thinking. Yeah. And sometimes I think we don't need to. Like, I think wrestling fans kind of cross that boundary a little bit. And because we watch them every week, we think that we're entitled to whatever they want, what we want them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to share with that of like, man, you're incredible. Don't, don't listen to, and I know he probably doesn't, but you know, regardless of what happens, just be happy, man. You deserve that. You're the best wrestler in the world. Literally be happy. Yeah, you're surprised how many of them know you, though, which, which is, like, my next question. Like, it does it surprise you and amaze you every time someone reaches out to you? And it's just yeah, like, yeah. yo, thank you, or, like, this is so dope, or shares it. Because I, I see it now every week more than ever. Like, you'll do a song for someone, and they'll share it and be like, yo, this is so dope. Yeah, man, it's it's very humbling, for sure. Um, and, you know, I when I started this, I didn't expect really much of that. Um, I didn't expect really anything to come out of it other than people probably hating me for remixing their favorite song or whatever. <laughs> but um, it's it started out with um, all four guys from the Undisputed Era, which, you know, within like 30 minutes of me dropping the first video, I think two or three of them had already shared it. Um, and I'm like, I'm at work, so I didn't know. My phone just started buzzing. So I started freaking out. Like, <laughs> what? Are you serious? Uh, like literally right now, I, you can't see. I got goosebumps just thinking about that first like text that I got um, saying like, "Hey man, I don't know if you saw this, but this is happening right now." Um, but no man, it's it's so cool just to be able to see like you know they they understand kind of what I'm trying to do, um, and they see it as like you know this guy isn't he isn't bragging about it. He isn't trying to like DM us every two seconds. Like I'm just a regular guy. <laughs> like, um but it's it's literally just chills every single time and i'm i'm just glad and thankful that it's working yeah yo it's definitely working um what what's next i I feel like it's still only been half a year right like and at this point as wrestling fans we're not gonna let you stop anytime soon so (laughs) i'm sorry i know you have like a whole career planned out you got other stuff i love your original content oh you just dropped the black history month uh version of it with the great amazing visuals and I like that track so much because, you know what, you were just spitting from the heart. That wasn't even about wrestling. You just put some dope wrestling visuals on it. It, it was That's just... Exactly. You're right. <laughs> like, it wasn't about wrestling at all. And I was like, yo, this song is dope. So <laughs> I, I understand, like, you have your own career, but we're, we're not letting you stop. So what's, <laughs> what's next? Like, what tracks do you still want to conquer without, you know, giving it away because... The surprise reveal is great, but what tracks do you, do you want to go back and do maybe like in Andre the Giant or, you know, the original Undertaker theme or, you know, is there some like old school joints where you look at it and be like, yo, I kind of want to tackle that. Like, should I do a Four Horsemen track? Um, yeah. Or, you know, is there just, regardless, New Japan guys, um, 
you know, nudge, nudge, if I have to put in something. This new Walter theme song, which is his theme song oh, in the yeah. Indies. When it hit on NXT UK, I lost my shit. And the first thing I thought was, you know what? Josiah, I got to remix this. Because <laughs> <laughs> as soon as Walter came out, I was like, oh, Pete Dunn is a rap. And that beat is just, <laughs> just so tough. <laughs> but yeah, like what what tracks would you like? What's still on your bucket list of to dos for those tracks? Yeah. Well, there's there's so many different ways to answer that, um, and I know that there. So I used to get people who would ask, like, man, you know, you're gonna get you're gonna get burnt out, or you're gonna like waste all the good tracks, or you're gonna do this, this and that. And um, I don't really, I don't see that right now yeah. um, because there's so much. Like, there's, you know, I haven't even covered half. I haven't even covered a quarter of just, you know, the WWE talent, right? Then you think about all the companies that are outside of that. You think about the people who have passed on or who just aren't wrestling right now. Um, you think about the fact that a guy like The Undertaker, like you said, has like a million different versions of his theme song, right? Yeah. So music is just going to keep coming out and people are going to have there's, – there's just too much to work with. So to answer your question, um, the few that are always in my mind, um, The Rock, which – I tested it with Samoa Joe. This is like, if I knew if I could make Samoa Joe's track happen, then I'm in the right direction of doing the rocks. But like, I have to be a monster when that happens. Like, <laughs> I have to be on point because I'll get shredded. You know what I'm saying? If I yeah. don't do it right, um, uh, I would like to do a um, Razor Ramon at some point. Um, just because that's just a character that, and I mean, either, either Razor Ramones, um, or, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, Scott Hall, like yeah. it doesn't, I don't know. I just see him as a, somebody that like, that a character is not one little limited thing. Like, I think that could do something really cool with that. Um, I think Stone Cold, uh, would be a really, really good one. Uh, Carmella's I've been thinking about for a long time. Like there's just so much. Um, so there's a lot of like new age and then there's a lot of the, the old school stuff. Um, I would love to get more of the indie talents and recognition and not even just the people that everybody knows, but you know, kind of like introducing somebody through a wrestling flow. Um, I think that would be really cool to do that. It's a good time to put out a Shane Strickland. Maybe NXT will pick it up. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm. wink, wink, nudge, yeah, nudge. Nudge. <laughs> like I'm just just saying. I heard you uh, with the who was it? You were campaigning for uh, the Yim joint, I think. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, is no one listening? Like, can we give them the track? <laughs> like, you you put out quality work. Like, uh, I feel like that's coming though. By the way, like 2019, I feel like somebody's cutting you the check. Like, you're you're yeah. going to have a legit <laughs> WWE theme song or NXT, definitely. Um, come I can out. only hope. We'll see. Yeah, man. Listen, we're speaking it into the universe. This, right. is, this is what we're doing. Josiah, I'm seeing you WrestleMania weekend 2020, and you're rhyming someone to the ring. This, this is how <laughs> yeah, it's going. I, I hope so. <laughs> you, Keith Lee, Limitless, it'll be Keith Lee versus whoever for the title, and you will be rapping him to the ring. Dude, this, man. This is what I see. 
I hope I hope it works out that way. <laughs> For sure. That or if you want to throw, you know, the bro remix out there. Right, right. So so that's the crazy thing of like I realized as I was watching the last takeover, like, you know, we saw the Undisputed Era come out. We saw Ricochet come out. We yep. saw Matt Riddle come out. And I'm like, man, I've remixed like this whole car. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is kind of crazy. Like, We can just go ahead and drop this NXT album, wink, wink. Like, <laughs> Oh, NXT the remixes? Yeah, I think, I think we're ready for that. Dude, I'm, and that's, so that's the other side of this that I wanted to answer too, of like, there, there are so many other opportunities and options that I think are out there. Um, you know, I would love to do an original album as well of like, you know, either just fun music mm-hmm. or something like a WWE aggression, uh, two, or, you know, something like that, where there's a collection of music that people can actually listen to officially, um, uh, I mentioned that I'm I was a theater student, so I think maybe one day even like entertaining the idea of um, being a ring announcer or or maybe a broadcast announcer, like doing the color commentary, something like that. Like I don't think this can just be limited to to music. Um, you know, I have a, a a little apparel shop on um, pro wrestling tees, so like just kind of expanding in all of those different areas of like wrestling flow doesn't just have to be a video thing but really like a culture. Um, and that's where I wanted to get to. No, I feel you, man. The sky's the limit. You said you do all your own video editing, everything else. This is a six month span. And <laughs> you've got, it's so crazy how it goes just that fast. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, you're, you're definitely not slowing down anytime soon. Um, are you doing, are you, what else is in the works? Any live shows? Any? Because now at this point, that's what, people are wondering like i'll be at um mania weekend like we have a crazy mania weekend plan for the show and just in general and that's in new york um we have aew out here in vegas and vegas is where we're based out of um so you know we're trying to get on starcast as a show and we have our live show that week in may out here in vegas and everything else so there's there's so many other things to do in the world of wrestling is this something you're looking at? Like, yo, you know what? It'd be dope to do a live show and yeah. have people come out. Absolutely. And there are people who are kind of encouraging me that in that way. Um, so now that this, you know, the video series is fine. Like, it'll take care of itself because social media does its thing. Um, but being willing to take that next step. So people have mentioned, you know, the idea of doing live shows. Um and incorporating like both my original music and this because there is a way to do that yeah um we've seen you know i've started working with uh mega ran and just seeing some of the stuff that he's doing i'm like man i can i can be mentored by this guy and i can really like do something different um and i i'm really looking up to those people who are kind of reaching out and saying hey you know let's work let's build because i can learn from them um People have talked to me about like the um, like WrestleCon and all the conventions and things yep. um, where I can be out there networking and doing some shows there. Um, so, yeah, this is a it's cool because there's so many opportunities that are that are available. Um, and all I got to do is just take that risk. So I'm, I'm definitely looking and seeing what will work well. I don't I don't want to just do everything because then you get lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to find like the couple of things that really work, build that, and then expand from there. No, I feel you. I was just at the mega um, after party for Royal Rumble. 
Oh, Phoenix. dope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had a table there, and then like Samoa Joe and New Day and Usos were next to us and all this. Everyone was just chilling, listening to Mega Ran. I guess Nakamura came later in the night. So Dude, That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Yo, it's crazy. And this is like right after the Rumble, and there's like not too many things to do downtown Phoenix. So we were like, mm. all right, cool. Like, it's the official, like, you know, fan after party. And it was just us, a bunch of people who did cosplay and dress up for the event. And then, like, there was one reserved table next to us. And we're like, all right, it's a reserved table. The next thing you know, like, mad talent just came out. And you just have Xavier Woods playing video games against everybody. <laughs> it was an arcade bar. Like, he's just randomly challenging fans to video game contests. And then you just have Samoa Joe just there, just looking super cheery, by the way. And I was like, man, he's That's like the dope. jolliest guy in the world, but he just <laughs> kill you in a promo right quick. But, that is so yeah, cool. Yeah, it just shows you like Mega Ran just brought, they all came out to see him. So they're fans of what he does and of what you do, which is, is the dopest aspect of this, man. If anything... That's why it's so cool to get you on this show and to speak to you and to give our listeners your story because we're all fans of you. And sometimes when you're doing it, that's kind of what you, it's weird. You lose track of that because you just start making yeah. stuff. Like you, you don't make these songs with the idea that people actually listen to them. You make them right. because you want to do it and put it out. Like every show we do every week, I'm like, yeah, cool, man. We're just, we just want to talk about wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, we, we do this anyway, and then we just record it and then put it out. And then next thing you know, it's like, yo, people actually listen to us. And you, you have like those moments. Have, have you had that moment yet? Like where you've just been walking down the street, and people are like, yo, you're Josiah. Like, have you had one of those moments? Um, nah, not walking down the street yet. Oh, I've you got to chill. It's... If you come to Mania Weekend or AEW, you got to chill with us. You'll have like a million. <laughs> it's I think the the closest thing I I did a, a kind of like a career day at a school um, and somebody put two and two together like man I've I've heard your voice before and I know this sounds kind of weird I was like oh, I don't know man you know <laughs> I hope it's for a good reason I don't know what you mean <laughs> and then they finally realized oh you're the you're that dude like from Instagram <laughs> I'm like yeah that's that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I th I think you know eventually maybe get to that one day. It's not really, it's not exactly what I'm fighting for, what I'm trying to get to, but I no, think like, it is cool that people see that. It'll happen, and it's weird, but it'll happen. Especially your face is <laughs> in front of everything. Like you, you sit in front of the mic and rhyme every day. It'll happen, and it's weird, um, but it's one of oh, the funnest things. But so actually, I take that back. So. In October, like right after, um, not a lot of people know this, but in October, uh, WWE reached out. They said, hey, we're in your area. We just kind of want to meet you, um, see what you're all about, um, you know, just talk to you. So I was, Raw was in Chicago uh, for, well, duh, they were in Chicago for Raw. And um, I was backstage and I'm like trying not to freak out because <laughs> everybody that I see is like right there. Um Leo Rush walks up to me. He said, hey, man, I know you from somewhere, but I'm trying to figure out where. And I'm like, uh, and before I finish, he said, are you the guy that's rapping and stuff? Did you do a song for Ricochet? And like in that moment, there's there's that moment where you're like, yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I did. But that's man, like I I've never had so much, so many goosebumps in my life of like, man, this dude knows me <laughs> that's kind of the hour <laughs> yeah like that's wild to me so that was that was kind of cool i think that was the biggest one so far 
Yeah, man, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It, it bugged me out one day because um, we have here in Vegas, like we have a store that sponsors us. Um, mm. And it's the Las Vegas Fight Shop. They have a ton of wrestling merch and all this stuff is dope. So I go in there all the time to just shop. Like I just shop for my clothes in there. I have a million wrestling t-shirts. <laughs> so I'm in there like on a random weekend chilling and I'm like shopping for shirts and like grabbing stuff. And then um, one of the listeners on our podcast like stops me. He's like, yo, are you Kel? And I'm like, yeah, what's up? And then he's like, oh, I listened to the show. I was like, oh, that's dope. I was like, you're randomly in here just shopping where I shop. I was like, all right, cool. And then he was like, yo, can I get a picture? And I was like, yeah, all right, man. Like, and I've taken pictures with a couple of listeners now. And that's yeah. also a thing you got to get used to. I was like, all right. Like, I take pictures all the time. I'm like, sure, we can take a picture. <laughs> uh, so we're about to take a picture and my fiance is with me. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm like, yo, babe, can you take these pictures for us? And she was coming to grab my uh, camera and his camera on our phones to take it. And then he was like, oh, Miss Elena, thank you for taking this for me. And when he said that, I was like, yo, it's so crazy that not only do listeners listen to me every week, they know my fiance's name off of the stories I tell on a podcast every week. Right. I was like, I never told him my fiance's name. I just call her babe in public. Like he knows that much off of our show and listening every week. I was like, yo, my mind is blown. And at that point, I was just like, yo, yeah, this is this is something. And yeah. it doesn't matter like how many people listen or how like the fact that anyone does is is definitely bananas, man. Um mm-hmm. what are what are your goals now though? Like if we covered everything else, you what's the five year plan? What do you you don't you're not in the box, so this answer go wherever you want it to go. What is your five year plan? Where do you see yourself? You're so young. Um, yeah, so I'll be I'll be twenty seven next month. Um and uh, just starting even, just starting out <laughs> yeah it's 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 wild man because i mean i think about people who you know their careers really some people's careers took off when they were like 40 or something and you know yeah. and that means two things it's like one i'm i'm young so there's a lot of time um but two even if something even if i'm not where i want to be in five years like man there's still opportunity out there like People, I, I, I tell people all the time, and there's literally no room, a reason to give up because there's always going to be something else that can come up that you can try to go for. Yep. Um, so five years from now, man, I just, I hope that I am uh, financially stable enough to where I'm full time in entertainment. And that sounds really broad and really general, but I think because I'm kind of involved in a lot of different things that I'm, I could be doing that. Yeah. Um, so one of my like, you know, I have a, a full time job working where in the city that I'm in. But one of the things that I do part time, um, I I emcee the college basketball team, like their games when they're at home. Um, so maybe being able to do that for like an NBA team, um, you know, like using your voice in, in any way possible. If it works so that I'm a full time artist or maybe kind of in a similar track to where Mega Ran is or somebody where like you can do shows and you can kind of do your own thing and just make a living based off of that. I would be a kid in a candy store. I would love that. Um, But that's really my goal, man. I just want to be able to use my creativity full time. Like that's my job five years from now. And I will tell you because I was just 27, it feels like. Um, <laughs> when we started this podcast, I was 26, about okay. to be 27. Um, my co-host Andres is a fair share older than me. 
So we called him the old man on this show. Uh, a fair so, share. A fair share older than me. And, uh, but yeah, I was like the, the young kid in media circles. Because, you know, being in media and, you know, we're, we're journalists outside of this by trade. And I had a full job, full-time job. Um, I was substitute teaching and doing other stuff when I was 26. You know, just, you know, trying to make sure the bills are paid and eating. And I had a family super young. So, mm-hmm. um, like, I had to, you know, make sure my kids had everything they need. And all this good stuff. So I was substitute teaching, doing all that. But whenever someone asked me, they're like, "Yo, you're, I'm a journalist." Like I never would tell them anything to the contrary. I was like, "Yo, I'm a journalist." Like mm-hmm. I, no one knew what other job I did or anything like that. And um, the day it all changed, I remember every year at New Year's Eve, I don't do resolutions, but I type out a list of my iPhone notes mm-hmm. of stuff I'm going to accomplish that year, and that's it. And I just leave it there. And I erase it the next year and I type over it. And huh. I remember when I was 27, I wrote in my list. I was like, I'm going to be paid to write as a journalist. And I will never have another job again. And I wrote it. And then later on that year, like it was a horrible year for me personally. It's all on this podcast. I've said a bunch of wild shit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember. And I got my first full-time job as a journalist. Um, I had been wow. like freelancing and all this stuff, but it was never enough to pay my bills. And that first time I was like, yo, they're paying me to write. And it was like with Channel 13 News. And like you said, like it's not combat sports journalism, which is really my thing. So I still like freelance and I still do all this and cover sports and football and everything. But my main job is a journalist about normal news. But I get paid to write. And my career is off of writing. And I I've never had a different job since. I've always now just been paid to write. And I was like, yo, that's my goal. And I remember because I quit being a substitute teacher. And wow. um, yeah, like for weird circumstances, like I I was pulled over, had a warrant I didn't know about from 2009 and they took me to jail. And I talked about serious? it. Yeah, it's dead serious. I talked about it on this podcast. It took me three days to get me out of jail because I didn't have a serious enough crime to receive bond. So I had to wait and see a judge. So people who had like murder and domestic violence could get bonds. My crime wasn't serious enough, so I had to wait. So I was in there for three or four days in jail, like in the back, like eating horrible food. I didn't shower for three days. Like it was, it was crazy. And then I got back out, and that day, my coach Andres was like, "Yo, do we want to take a week off the show?" I was like, "No, we're recording an episode today." And it was like the first of the year that year, and we did a full episode, and I talked about my whole journey and all this stuff and just meeting people in there and seeing what they went through and i no called no shoulder obviously i was in jail uh from my substitute teaching job and i was let go and i was unemployed for all purposes all this stuff and i was collecting an unemployment check i was like yo this is going to last me and my next job is just going to be a writing job and i'll never have another job again and the more i talk to people is when they lose that safety net of that normal job they're like, yo, I'm just going for it. This is my career. That's when it when it clicks. Mm. So you you're already talking about like it's going to happen. And once it happens, you'll never get paid less than you get paid on that first job. I promise you that. So once it <laughs> once it clicks, once you be like, okay, wait, I can live off of this first little bit of salary. That's cool. The money only goes up from there. Right. And right. Uh, no, yeah, man, it's 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 amazing. And this is the beginning. And it's cool to see you doing this at 27. It's like, yo, we. We all want to do this at 27, and, and it's possible. And the, the grind is there, and, and to see you know the quality of stuff you put out, 
man, as uh, speaking for myself, my co-host, all of our listeners, we're fans of you and anything we can do to make sure you succeed. Everyone listening, buy the merch, support it on the songs on YouTube, follow them on social media, do everything because this is what we have to support. We have to support each other and people who are doing it right to achieve dreams. So we're all going to support you. Just want to let you know. Dude, first of all, man, um, wow, thank you so much. Uh, this is like, this is incredible. I'm, I'm not even just like the, the wrestling stuff, but just sitting here and, and chatting life, like literally just kind of talking dreams and, and talking future. That, that stuff means a lot. Um, and I hope that other people can kind of feel that same way that I feel right now, just listening to your story of like, man, I'm ready to go do something. Um, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm ready to go be about it right now um but yeah man so seriously thank you uh and thank you for sharing that with me because that just that added fuel to my fire seriously that, nah, that means no, a lot no problem we appreciate it um make sure you drop tell the people exactly where they can find you like i said we're all supporting you so we're, we're all behind you you just gained a few thousand extra fans. Everyone <laughs> listens to this show every week. If they can listen to me and Andreas talk nonsense in combat sports every week for an hour and a half, they can surely listen to your music for three minutes every week. So you, if you see an uptick, it's I'm telling you, we're all we're all behind you. The Corner Club got your back. But let them know where to follow you on everything. Man, Corner Club, I appreciate it. First of all, thank you for taking time to listen to however long we've been talking. Uh, I don't even remember what time we started, but it's wonderful. That's how you know it's a good conversation. Um, my name is Josiah Williams. You can find me online at J Dean, which is my middle name, D-E-A-N Williams. It's at J Dean Williams. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever else is out there um you can also find it uh hashtag wrestle and flow uh you can see that anywhere i think on those same platforms and you'll find exactly where those pages are as well um youtube um you can find my music my personal music on spotify itunes title limewire wherever you get your music uh you know check that out and i hope you enjoy it I hope you guys enjoyed us sitting down and talking with Josiah Williams. It was really dope. Old man Andreas was busy that day and, uh, you know, sporting news calls. And you're one of the busiest men in media. So I held down that interview. I hope you guys liked it. I hope the old man liked it. And I know you, you were very complimentary of Josiah's work, though. Yeah, no, I think what he's done with those songs is, I mean, it's dope. And he keeps them wrestling themed. He flips it like. Kids got talent, man. I'm, I'm glad you got a chance to speak with him. I wish you would have been on that call as well. But, you know, it is what it is. I, I am busy, but Josiah, keep keep making those things. And hopefully, hopefully we get your ass on one of these these big shows. Maybe the WWE gives you a call, AEW, Ring of Honor, somebody, because you keep killing the kid. Yeah, we got to make that happen. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you guys follow us on all platforms at The Corner LSN. Support the show by signing up for Patreon. That's where, you know, originally before the Josiah interview that we just played was on the show, it was on Patreon first. You get a bunch of cool exclusive stuff. You get to talk to us immediately after fights, after wrestling events. It's a cool little community. And you get to just support the show that we've been doing for four years now. Dre, we're almost at episode 200. And it's because of you guys' support, and it's great. And we're not stopping anytime soon. And the Patreon is just the next level to that and the next... Uh, the next wave where we really, really get to take things to the next level. So make sure you guys support that. Follow me on Twitter at Kel Dansby. 
him at Andreas Hale. I think that's it. It's been a great show. Enjoy talking to you guys this week. Until next week, we're out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.